0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host three hours of the most nuclear revenge stories of the year so far here we go food thieves at uni got lesions from my food i was reminded of this by a post somewhere else where someone asked if they could legally put laxative in their coffee creamer at work because it was being stolen the answer was no by the way in first year of uni somewhere in the west of england i lived in a large georgian student house which had 23 year old under and post living in it all lads we had three kitchens but some people would raid other fridges and i was sick of people stealing my food in microbiology we were doing some experiments with an orthopox virus think of it as a much less severe version of cowpox harmless enough they'd let first year students use it with only masks gloves and glasses anyway one of my lab partners didn't use sterile technique on her inoculating loop particularly well and ended up with a blister on her lips she used to heat it too quickly and create an aerosol eventually i was fed up with the thievery and took a little sample of said virus and added it to a block of cheese a couple of days later the two perps all Also had a couple of blister type lesions around their mouths which lasted a few days and meant they didn't want to go out They had an inkling it was me But I made some cheese on toast in front of them while ensuring I wasn't cross-contaminating So came away unscathed the cheese gets hot enough to denature the virus My food was never touched again, but I often think how risky this was Well, you know what that serves these two guys right for stealing food from a microbiologist If there was anyone you wouldn't want to steal food from it's someone who could infect the food you're stealing Surely look don't get me wrong food thieves definitely deserve to be made to pay for their crimes But you're also not wrong. OP. that could have gone a lot worse I mean just imagine if the reaction was worse than what it was that could have been catastrophic But in the end very good justice only a couple of blisters. They'll get over it and they've stopped taking your food What a result don't mess with southerners. Okay, so before I start I want to first say I cannot attest to the validity of this story It isn't mine But a story a friend's great-grandfather told them when they were younger and from what I've heard the man wasn't all there towards the end so back when my friend's great-grandfather was in his early 20s he'd been very close with this one family they were described to me as a family of swamp people but floridian there was the grandfather father mother uncle two daughters and three brothers that lived in this little trailer park in the woods they kept to themselves and didn't bother anyone my friend's great grandfather only knew them because he'd met the youngest daughter while in school and they were dating he got a job from the grandfather and was kind of absorbed into the family he worked in their bait shop with the uncle and life went on well one day the eldest daughter went to a party some local boys were throwing and dragged her sister along my friend's great grandfather and his uncle were at the bait shop mother and father were at home no one knew where the three brothers were and the grandfather was on the couch napping his sixth beer away during the party the two sisters split apart and the younger one ended up getting pulled away by two guys they did you know what and then ran when the older sister found them news got back to the family quick and as my friend put it the brother miraculously materialized and the old man rose for the next week the men of the family so for those boys and found them they weren't locals and were visiting family but the men broke into their home beat them up tied them up and took them deep into the glades in the glades my friend's great-grandfather's grandfather handed him a revolver and said she's your woman so he took the gun he thought about just shooting them dead then and there but instead shot them each in one leg and told them if you find your way back i guess i'll forgive you then they left those guys were never heard from again they never came out of the glades and their truck was later sold to a neighbor by family members my friend told me he asked why his great-grandfather didn't just shoot them and he said i wanted to see if god would forgive them because i wouldn't personally i interpreted that to mean god showed them mercy by letting them die in the swamp instead of by the hands of my friend's great-grandfather until my friend told me that story i didn't think florida had mafia type stuff like that Now guys, of course, this happened a long time ago and is hearsay, so we can't validate exactly what happened in this story, for obvious reasons. However, let me remind you that this takes place in Florida. That's right, the same state in which a man was arrested for allegedly tossing an alligator into a Wendy's drive-thru window. So as you can see, realistically, this story is extremely plausible. As for the revenge itself, yeah, definitely nuclear, but deserved. I mean, it did end in deaths, but they did some horrible, heinous things. Guys, get in the comments. Was that too far, or was it exactly right let me know try to harass my grandma you might take back a nub this story takes place in the early 60s in a medium-sized midwestern city in a local neighborhood bar the title of this story comes from my grandma's old saying see my grandma always carries a switchblade in her purse for protection and she said if anyone ever tried to attack her they might get her but she's gonna take a piece of them hence her term i'll take back a nub First of all, some context about my grandma before we get into story time. My grandma was born in the Deep South back in the 30s. She was one of four sisters, who I'll refer to for the rest of this as the Four Sisters. My family decided to migrate up to a northern Midwest city in the 50s. Just for clarification, my family is African American. So if you know anything about the United States history, you would understand why they would want to escape the Deep South during this time period. My grandma was 20-something when she moved north with her husband, my grandfather. The rest of her family, her sisters, mother and uncle, also moved up north. Because of housing discrimination, my grandparents were forced to live in the black neighborhood. The rest of the family also lived in this neighborhood and were basically within walking distance of each other. The thing to know about the four sisters is that they were all spitfires. They are some of the most caring women you can know and were all excellent mothers and grandmothers, but they were not to be trifled or messed with. If you cross one of them that might be your bar this was especially true of my grandmother who was all of five foot one and fairly petite the four sisters were quite the characters and it didn't take the neighborhood long to know of these four sisters because of their crazy antics they also loved hanging together on the weekends either at one of their houses or sometimes at the local watering hole on this particular night my grandma wanted to go out for a few hours with her sisters only one could go aunt c My uncle, my grandma's oldest son, was in charge of watching his siblings for a few hours on this lovely Saturday night as my grandma dressed to the nines and headed down about half a mile to the local bar to meet up with her sister. This was a pretty small bar that got a lot of regulars. My grandma had been there dozens of times and has plenty of stories to tell about her time there with her sisters and also with my grandfather. My grandma and aunt C are lounging in the bar, having a couple of drinks and cracking some jokes with some of the regulars when a new character is introduced to the scene. This guy's name is leroy he was a regular as well to picture this guy i want you to think about a guy as skinny as jimmy walker and about the height of kevin Hart. combine this and make him about the age of 40 and you'll have leroy now guys i'm sure you all know who kevin hart is and how small he is but this is jimmy walker as you can see a very skinny man leroy was a regular at the bar too but then again leroy was a regular at almost every bar in town You see kids, before the internet, online dating apps and hookup sites, the way most people met was at bars. Our good friend Leroy was notorious for wanting to have one night rendezvous with the ladies at the bar. Well, everyone knew his game and after he'd had a few one night stands with some of the ladies in the neighborhood, most now avoided him like the plague. This of course didn't stop him from going to bars on a weekend, trying his best to shoot his shot and hoping a lovely filly might come home with him for the night. Leroy had flirted with my grandma and aunt on previous occasions and even though he was told that they were both happily married, he kept trying to have a conversation with them. As soon as he entered, he once again strolled over there, trying to see if he could get some action with either of them. My grandma quickly told him not to waste his breath, but he sat down anyway. What surprised my grandma was that behind Leroy was another dude. He was well over six foot tall and handsome. My grandma honestly couldn't recall this guy's name, so we'll call him Jerk. My grandma knew right away that this Billy D. Williams wannabe was going to try and sweet-talk and charm his way into some ladies' pants that night. It seems that he had his sights set on his first target, which would be, of course, my grandmother and my aunt C. It seems like our good friend Leroy was going to try and be this jerk's wingman. He started off with some small talk to my grandma, couldn't tell her how gorgeous she was and something about how, you know, getting lost with heater eyes and all that other nonsense. My grandma said that he had diarrhea of the mouth and pretty much let what he said go in one ear and find the nearest exit. My grandma quickly shut this clown down and let him know she wasn't interested. So then instead, he set his sights on my aunt. Now, even though my aunt can take care of herself, my grandma was always a little protective of her. This jerk made a comment about how nice my aunt's thighs were as he looked lustfully at her. My grandma quickly told this fool that my aunt was married and not interested in his nonsense. This is where the story changes and revenge comes into place. She's not interested and she's happily married, said my grandma. She can speak for herself, replied the jerk. He then said to aunt C, Your legs must be tired because you've been running through my mind all night Yes, this fool used the pickup line Are you hard of hearing or something or a little slow? I told you she's married and not interested You talk too much Maybe I'll put what's in my pants down your throat Now he actually said his D but not sure if I can use that word Ladies and gentlemen, this is where everything got real Yes, everybody else in the bar knew you wouldn't and shouldn't talk to my grandma that way She did not play for that nonsense This is one of those times where you could actually hear a pin drop as everyone got quiet My grandma exploded with an expected What the frick did you just say? My grandma was seething with anger But the joke played it off as if it was a good idea My auntie knew what was about to go down she grabbed my grandma and started leading her to the door you see my sister knew what many other people knew and that my grandma kept a 38 snub nose revolver in her purse and typically a very sharp switchblade wrapped up in her bra my aunt tried to leave my grandma out of the bar to avoid any more confrontation but my grandma wasn't having it as she was being pushed out of the door by my aunt and another male customer my grandma seized a nearby beer glass And flung it towards the jerk Fortunately glass didn't hit him And it erupted close to his feet But it certainly got his attention This well over 6 foot Well over 200 pound man Jumped out of his chair And stormed towards my grandma Saying that he would kick her butt My grandma replies Bring it on she eventually gets fully outside and he decides to go outside too He's a little apprehensive because a couple of the neighborhood bar dudes have gotten up to see this and he's afraid they might get involved You know since it's unacceptable for a man to hit a woman and all that jazz The guys said they're not gonna do anything and just want to watch my grandma quickly pulled out the switchblade that she had in her bra Unwrapped it from the paper and looked him in the eyes and said come on mother You would think at this point that any civilized person might be apologizing further for the crude language he used earlier or you would think that the guy seeing that my grandma had heels on might just walk away knowing she's probably not going to chase after them. Do you think this clown chose either option? If you said he chose neither, you'd be correct. Let's give you a prize. With a woman with a switchblade bearing down on him, he decides to stand his ground and doubles down by again calling my grandmother a female dog and telling her he is going to beat her butt. He next starts putting his fist up ready, and it's about to go down. No worries. No one says my grandma has to fight fair. You see, what this clown forgot about was my aunt's. While the jerk had his fist up ready to start striking like he's Mike Tyson, my aunt has conveniently taken off one of her high heel shoes. She uses the heel to bash him right in the shoulder blades. Of course this staggers our young jerk as he turns looking at my aunt screaming obscenities It gave my grandma time to come and slice this fool right in the side as our young jerk howls in pain My grandma says to him. Maybe I should slice something else off the jerk staggered sideways looking at these two Infuriated women one with her high heel still in her hand and the other with a switchblade with the sight of his blood on it Don't worry, he wasn't hurt too badly as she sliced him but didn't stab him. By this time, a few other people are stepping in and are trying to calm the situation down and the jerk left the scene. The aftermath. My grandmother heard from others that the jerk went to the hospital and got treatment for getting sliced on the side. This was the 60s, so no cops were called and if they had been called, they probably would have been really slow getting to the scene. I've got no idea what he told the hospital staff and doctors but regardless, I heard he got patched up and was no worse for wear. Rumor has it that he ended up moving to Chicago a few months later. He never tried to get revenge on my grandma for this, so there's that. My grandma says she wasn't going to tell my grandfather about what happened. He was an over-the-road trucker and was out of town when this event happened. But you know how things quickly go through the grapevine. He of course scolded her for this, but she just gave him a wicked smile and said that the guy deserved it and that he came at her so it was self-defense anyway. I'm not sure that's exactly entirely true, but that's what she was sticking with. My grandma continued going to that bar every once in a while and was a bit of a legend Our friend Leroy ended up being the epitome of a deadbeat dad Rumor has it that he has something like 10 kids with 8 or 9 different women My grandma still has the switchblade and yeah, she showed it to me It's somewhere in her massive collection of items now, otherwise I'd attach a picture of it I also learned that my grandma is a woman of her word Because she actually took back a nub in the form of an ounce of flesh from this butthole. Hopefully, you enjoyed this story about my grandma. She told me the story a few times and was a little fuzzy on a couple of details, as she is in her 90s now. But I'll do my best to answer any questions. And there we go. That is the end of that story. Uh, Let me know in the comments. Do you think that this revenge was justified or not? Now, look. Sexual harassment is objectively bad. But was this revenge a little bit too far? Did she have to actually slice this guy? I don't know. Maybe she did in order for him to learn his lesson. And clearly, it wasn't that bad of an injury. But wow. Getting a knife out. That is uh, top, top level. I mean, the main takeaway for me from the story is how stupid this guy is. Like, forget the harassment part. That's bad enough. And that's dumb. Clearly, you've got to be moron to even think about doing something like that but then seeing someone with a knife and continuing to try and fight them but where is your logic there it doesn't matter who has got a knife in front of me if someone has a knife out i'm not going to go towards them so dumb and to be honest he probably deserved it bait and switch spoiled by their own policy about a year ago i signed on with a company offering a fairly generous salary and good benefits for what seemed to be a less demanding workload compared to my position at the time i go through the onboarding so far so good The whole unlimited PTO, Kool-Aid, and whatnot. The week I'm set to assume my duties, leadership announces, rather than salaried employees, across the board, we would be 1099 without benefits, with no guarantee of adequate workload. All other policies, aside from the pay structure and insurance, remained intact. They very much hammered this one home as some sort of consolation prize. Through public Slack channels, my new middle manager blisteringly rallied against a decision, very much backing their reports with ferocity I've never seen in a manager. I was appreciative. I'd left a salary position for this one to gain some stability, and now my income was zero, and there was no telling when I could earn given I had no accounts yet. I had two kids, and due to the cost of daycare, my wife is a stay-at-home mum. This would financially harm us horribly. Interspersed with my fear and anxiety were the constant reminders of the company's generous benefits offerings, which gave me an idea. That same infuriated middle manager was who approved my hours, expenses, and my PTO requests. Seeing an opportunity, I submitted three weeks of PTO. Within a few minutes, it was approved and signed off on. Now, due to those policies remaining intact, I was entitled to 40 hours worth of pay for the next three weeks despite doing zero work, having no accounts yet, and having no intention of returning thanks to their complete disregard for everyone below management. Those three weeks came and went. The policy was honored, and I was paid my full salaried amount as it would have been before the restructuring. On my day back, I was assigned one account and given six hours of unpaid meetings a week, that were mandatory i then submitted two more weeks of vacation and got it approved i thankfully got callbacks from places i turned down for this position and accepted a previous offer plus 20 percent and signing bonus i made tens of thousands i never earned simply because they took away my chance to honestly earn it and try to leave me with my butt in the wind i'm still with that company that i subsequently joined and i've never been happier financially professionally and spiritually. Now the thing that springs out to me about this story is that this doesn't sound entirely legal. Not what you did. I'm saying what they did, the company. Surely you can't offer somebody a full-time contract at a certain salary and then say, oh no, actually you're not getting this. Like That can't legally be allowed. They could fire you, but they'd have to pay you notice and they'd have to give you notice. I I just don't see how this can be a thing, right? Am I wrong here? I feel like there's more to this story. If you were to go to the IRS, I feel like this could turn into even more nuclear than it was ultimately right now you only just got a bit of money out of them you could have got them entirely shut down maybe that's something you want to do in the future i don't know Um, it it feels like there's more to this than i'm seeing big respect to the middle manager by the way he is one person that you'd love to work for just standing up not just for themselves but also for their employees good to see the company though very dodgy i really want to know ready to pop the question my eight pounds 50 revenge on my cheating thieving ex when i was at uni i started dating this guy at first he was wonderful dedicated to his studies fun to be around attentive and always surprised me with things working hard at his job etc then bit by bit things unraveled he started skipping classes then he barely bothered to go at all worse still he never helped around the house never washed up cleaned up did laundry anything He was even fired from his job for too many no-shows. All he wanted to do was sit at home and play Xbox or browse the message boards and forums. This was in the days before social media, when dinosaurs roamed the earth. This left me having to pick up extra shifts, sometimes double and triple shifts, all while going to class and studying. I later learned that this was a pattern for him. He'd be really dedicated to whatever he set his heart on, but then get bored and fall back into old bad habits. Then he'd find a new passion and rinse and repeat. I knew I should have ended the relationship much sooner, but I held out hope that he would snap out of it, that maybe it was just exam stress getting to him. I desperately wanted things to go back to how they were, but it was not meant to be. I caught him cheating and threw him out. I was so stressed with everything that it wasn't until the next day that our joint savings account crossed my mind. There was a little over £5,000 in there, and bar a few hundred from him, the rest was money I had saved. I checked the account and it was all gone my ex had cleaned out the account and moved into a new flat with his side check I called the bank there was nothing they could do. He was authorized on the account. I contacted the police and they told me there was nothing they could do either since it was a joint account, so nothing criminal had happened. They suggested taking it to civil court, but said I'd probably spend more money than I got back in legal fees, so it likely wasn't worth it. My ex had stolen £5,000 and there was nothing I could do about it. I felt like such an idiot. I got even angrier when I saw his posts on various forums boasting about his new game consoles, new games, new TVs, and gadgets. All bought with my money. I'm not usually a vengeful person petty on occasion sure But i've never wanted to exact revenge as much as I did right then and I knew just how to do it While I was a student I attempt every summer to help pay for my studies One such job had been for a debt collection agency The work was as trashy as you can imagine but it paid really well and it was only for a few months My ex had been dodging debt for many years and was very proud of that fact He was also proud of the fact that his debt was close to being statute barred and he hadn't paid a penny For those of you that don't know, in the UK, creditors have about six years to collect a debt, and then it becomes statute barred. That means the money is still owed, but creditors have no legal way to enforce payments, such as using bailiffs. My ex was a few months away from reaching statute barred status. However, what a lot of people don't know is that making a payment on that debt resets the clock. If you pay any amount, then that six years starts from scratch. Previously, I'd used my insider knowledge to help him dodge the debts, now i would use it to hit him where it hurts by the end of our relationship i was handling everything including his debts i had the paperwork so i knew who he owed and how much i called his creditors up i was honest and said i was a friend calling to make a payment on his behalf i didn't pretend to be him because that would be a big legal no-no they weren't allowed to disclose any details but they were able to take payments i paid the minimum i could on each debt about one pound on most but one had a minimum payment of one pounds fifty It was the best £8.50 I've ever spent. I also made sure to give them his new address and contact details, as well as his parents' address. Having worked in the biz, I knew they wouldn't change the address, since I wasn't the account holder, but they would note it. They had various systems where they could search for his name against that address and see if anything came up. If they got a hit, then they'd change the address. The trap was set, and all I had to do was wait. A few months rolled by, and then it happened. His post on the forums went from boasting about his new gaming PC to panicking about a court date. He called me and begged for advice and I told him to F off. Seeing I wouldn't help, he asked for advice in the forums. One of his online friends told him not to turn up to court. That way they wouldn't be able to prosecute without him there. It was terrible advice that was 100% untrue. In fact, not showing up is one of the worst things you can do, especially in civil courts. This was getting better and better. The court date came and went. My ex naturally didn't go. A few weeks later, my ex posted photos of his empty flat, bailiffs had cleaned him out and taken every last one of his shiny new gadgets and toys on top of that he ended up with several ccjs county court judgments now these are a big deal and can seriously damage your credit history making it hard to get bank accounts outside of basic ones they're impossible to get credit including a mortgage and it can also make it hard to rent a place since many landlords don't like renting to people with ccjs as they're considered high risk he also wouldn't be able to find jobs in the financial sector now that he was broke and didn't have nice things his side chick left him now look i never got my five thousand pounds back but it felt good to see everything he bought with his ill-gotten gains taken away i hope that five thousand 000 was worth it also for anyone wondering how a student accrued six years of debts he started at the university i attended when he was 25. He'd initially gone to a different uni at 18, but dropped out a year later and went into the world of work. Then he convinced his parents to fund a business degree. He wanted to become an entrepreneur. And for anyone worried about the age gap, I deferred my uni start date by a few years so I could travel. I was 22 when we started dating and he was 26. Uh yeah, just good knowledge and genius is all you can say there really. I for one wouldn't have known anything about that, the six year rule, and I live in the UK. It's just good to be some justice being done because 5,000 pounds, if you didn't know, it's quite a lot of money. Um, what I would love to know though is how much his debts were because i don't think that was explicitly mentioned in the story if his flat has been fully cleaned out not just of the stuff that he bought using the money he stole from you but of more things then who knows the level of this debt could be mental it's good to see an eight pound fifty payment for thousands of pounds worth of justice oh sensational be abusive to employees say bye bye to your job my former boss was simply put an absolute freaking butthole He was the type of person that had the ability to be so condescending while acting as if he was doing you a favor His condescending attitude was sometimes downright abusive and he seemed to have a particular problem with all of the female employees He acted as if they were dumb and needed assistance with every step He loves to scream at people regardless of how little their mistake was if there even was one He was a slave driver and expected everyone to sacrifice their own personal lives for the job. The thing that sparked this revenge was him telling me to miss my older sister's birthday to come into her work on a day that I'd already booked off. Nobody liked him. Me and all of my colleagues in the department, around 10 or so, couldn't stand him being here anymore. So we did the protocol all of us piled together the evidence we had of him not sticking to booked off holiday schedules Having inappropriate and sometimes abusive language and we brought it all into one google dog This was step one step two was getting a cherry on top We did this by getting him to do one of his screaming tantrums at one of us We wanted this to be as damning as possible and the youngest and smallest girl out of all of us volunteered to be the baits. She made an intentional beginner's mistake in her paperwork, something bound to get her ruled at, and the idiot took the baits. You see, he likes to do his scoldings in front of all of us to prove a point or rule by fear as he called it This of course gave us the perfect opportunity to film it from behind our desks and add it to the google doc Now you see in our company, there's this really not well-made email system You can send an email to an entire department And I mean entire as long as you have its name and manager's name But the thing about this was the fact that all of this information was completely and freely given to employees This means that a person could send whatever email they want to the entire company, including the CEO. So, one morning at 10am, to ensure that as many people would be working as possible, we made a burner email and sent that Google Doc through an email to everyone in the company. It took a little while as there were many departments to get through, but we got there in the end. We gave the email the subject, boss's name, vital information, branch name, department name. Of course, our boss received the email as well, and you could basically hear the clutter from his office, as people all over the company were contacting him to ask him what the heck this was about. HR did a light investigation into him and took heavy disciplinary action. As far as I know, he wasn't directly fired, but instead he resigned and a month after that we never saw him again and he was replaced by a new guy who was also a butthole but just less of one his expressions during the whole ordeal helped me sleep at night yeah i think what probably happened here is he was asked to resign pretty forcefully and therefore the company didn't have to pay severance as they would have done if he was fired but uh, after this debacle and that video you want to get out of this company as quickly as possible how embarrassing to have everybody in the company i don't know how many employees there are but come on probably hundreds maybe even thousands see a video of you shouting at a young woman i mean look i know there are worse videos out there but that one is pretty bad i've just seen a comment down below from op they forgot to mention one of those colleagues recently found his facebook and found out that he's getting a divorce we have no idea why but people are speculating it relates to this incident well uh, things go from bad to worse for this horrible boss can't say he doesn't deserve it because he does look if you're an idiot you're a bottle like this you deserve everything bad that comes to you sorry hoisted by his own petard i have a friend called kerry who just broke a story to me not sure if it's petty or pro revenge or even malicious compliance but here it is all right quick cast run through the names have been changed to protect identities kerry is my friend and the heroine of this story sharon is a secretary with loose morals roger is the it manager and villain of the story ivan is the ceo and company owner also the owner of three or so other small companies one of which was in the same office block and olivia is roger's wife So, Kerry works for a small IT company as a programmer and web designer, along with about eight others, including her manager and her newest colleague, Sharon the secretary. Roger is a womanizing rogue who makes frequently moderately offensive comments about women, customers, and staff, like he has no brain mouth filter. Sharon is, as Kerry puts it, an upwardly mobile skank who will literally, yes, actually blow the boss if he buys her new shoes, so boner for a bonus. And she's had a bonus not just for productivity. Wow. The first Carrie knew about Sharon's behavior was late one Saturday afternoon when everyone had left for the weekend, except Carrie, as she had a project. She was beavering away at her desk in a nearly silent office when she heard a squeal. She immediately got up to investigate and found her boss's thought ajar. She heard another squeal and walked in, finding Sharon bent over the desk with her skirt hitched up above her hips. Her boss trousers around his ankles, enjoying himself. Yes, this is artistic license, but that's how she described it. Roger's expression indicated fury and embarrassment and he sounded to be enjoying it Sharon had an expression like the cat that had the cream with no pun intended. Oh my god She certainly didn't seem bothered about being caught Roger recovers his composure puts his trousers back on and called Kerry back into the room She hadn't stopped to watch and threatened to fire her if she let slip what she'd seen the instruction was tell nobody act like it never happened it's important at this point to mention that this was at the height of covid and they were looking at the possibility of reducing staff numbers something which fortunately never happened but at the time of the story nobody was sure question for you is your boss matt hancock kerry kept quiet oh that's nice alliteration can i just say i didn't say that that was written in the post but i do agree roger would occasionally remember that she knew what he was up to and would give her dirty looks but little more was said sharon and roger were still having regular sex at work and sharon was getting the bonuses that the team should have received she was also receiving bonus but nobody would have felt jealous had they known one saturday about six months after the initial shock discovery an opportunity for revenge and technically malicious compliance presented itself olivia roger's wife popped in the staff was still there and the office was busy and a bit noisy roger had excused himself to his office with sharon early as he knew his wife would be in later to meet him and wanted to get his end away before she arrived she was early olivia was standing at sharon's desk sharon was the secretary after all and kerry saw an opportunity she offered to help in the absence of the secretary and olivia asked to see roger kerry obliged the next bit is a little bit vague as kerry skipped some details but apparently she knows how to get past the lock on his office door like the door frame is a little too big and that's the vague bits kerry was able to open the door as if it wasn't locked and hold it open for olivia Who walked in to see her husband screwing the secretary from behind Olivia's eruption was one of incandescent fury which caused roger's excuses to melt away He was trying to explain that it wasn't what it looked like while pulling his trousers up Sharon meanwhile had tried to discreetly leave but olivia had turned her full wrath at sharon's direction So sharon excused herself by asking roger why he'd never told her he was married Now he had actually told her but the ruse worked roger stared daggers at kerry but she told him that she'd done as he asked she'd never told anyone and had acted as if it never happened just as he demanded olivia asked what she meant by this and she explained in painful detail what had been going on with olivia screaming blue murder at roger nobody heard the big boss ivan arrive he must have heard the ruckus and come to investigate at this point he'd heard enough from outside the office and kerry was asked to leave now roger doesn't work there anymore and neither does Sharon sharon was dismissed for gross misconduct and roger is awaiting a court date something about fraud or embezzlement or something details are sketchy here no information about the future of his marriage, sorry. Kerry is still at the company, but now works as an assistant manager to a newly appointed female manager. I guess this is petty revenge, pro-revenge and malicious compliance all rolled into one. You did nothing wrong. You did exactly as you were, as you said, Kerry that is. But yeah, you knew what you were doing and I like it. It's great to hear as well that Kerry wasn't actually punished for this because you never know what could have happened. Ivan could have just said, you know what, sack all these guys off. Let's get in completely new employees. But she actually got a promotion with a new female boss to work alongside that is great to hear he forced me out of the closet let me spill your own terrible awful into the world i'll be honest this story is not mine but about my two cousins alex and steve my mother is originally from a small town in the coastal region of my country she left when she married my dad But her two sisters stayed in the town alex is one of the sons of my youngest aunts and steve is the son of my oldest when they grew up both moved to a big city in the region for college but took way different paths alex went into an art focused career and after two semesters came out as gay while steve went stem and bathed himself in the machismo homophobic culture of the region You can guess they were not exactly close. And as far as gossip goes, they pretty much hated each other. As far as Alex's sexuality went, it was a well-known secret among the cousins and his brothers teens and young adults, people with social media basically. But it was never acknowledged in front of my grandma, the other adults, or even his own parents. That was the context. Now let's get to the drama that unleashed on December 2017 at our family's Christmas party. That, as always, took place in my grandma's old townhouse. By midnight, Steve was drunk and looking for a fight, and he thought that Alex would be the perfect prey. While not the exact words, you could say this was the statement he shouted in the middle of the dance floor. Hey, hey, Alex! Where's your girlfriend? I don't see her around. Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't have one. Why is that? Hey, auntie, you know why your son didn't bring a girlfriend? Haven't you heard? Oh, that's because he is a sissy f-slur. He screws guys, or actually, he lets guys screw him like the little female dog he is. Alex was speechless, and so was the rest of the family, including my grandma. The musicians even stopped the music playing. But before someone could even say something back to alex he threw the bomb trigger warning yeah well at least i screw with humans but let's not forget that your first girlfriend was the neighbor's donkey he even tried to force me to eff her once Didn't you and hell broke loose. You see in this particular area of my country There is the extended myth that some men especially teenagers commit bestiality with donkeys and in rural areas This is not entirely untrue, but it's obviously never spoken that openly or casually Especially when there are outsiders present. outsiders like steve's girlfriend from college who he had invited The poor girl literally threw up in the middle of the party while she started soothing herself and crying like there was no tomorrow To make an already long story a little shorter, my parents, thankfully my dad doesn't drink and could drive, offered to take her back to the city. We left the party in the middle of shouting punches someone fainting at some point and whatnot but i wouldn't have posted this here if this is how it ended steve's now ex-girlfriend told what had happened to her city friends her parents and basically anyone who would like to hear it steve was already known as a donkey effer all around the campus before he'd even come back from vacation and his social life crumbled to dust there was also a lot of cyberbullying involved and he ended up quitting university He went back to the old town and is currently the owner of a bar He also married a local woman if anyone wonders what happened to his love life On the other hand alex ended school and he stayed in the city as a designer His homosexuality was basically overlooked by everyone for obvious reasons and he is in fact my very catholic grandma's favorite grandson The funniest part of it all with time this has been basically thrown under the rug in my family We still hold christmas parties at the old townhouse alex and steve keep their distances but can actually speak to each other without murder intent and we all agree to forget what happened in december 2017 now guys clearly i have no way of knowing whether or not these rumors are actually true or not but the most telling thing about this i can't believe this story exists by the way i just gotta say this is that steve never explicitly denounced these rumors like he could have just said instantly what are you talking about you're clearly lying but no he just took it he didn't even have an explanation that is very telling like look at this comment right here i'll bring it up on screen so wait did your cousin actually screw a donkey or was everyone just willing to accept that it was something he would do op replies i think he was quite shocked and drunk in the moment and forgot he could you know lie instead he started saying things like i can explain to his girlfriend so yeah he basically admitted to doing it well there you go um that is i guess the proof oh what have i just read all right next story now i kind of hope this one is a little less illegal than the first But in many ways, I don't actually that was incredible scum of a man hires my unit to do a job after he refused to pay us So I help to ruin him a few things first of all I am a security officer with a private investigator certification which allows me to take pi private investigator cases As long as it doesn't interfere with local police investigations and any crimes that I witness must be reported to the police ASAP so they can make an arrest pi cases come from a few sources We're sometimes contracted by local police to do what's referred to as spotter work Where we are brought on active wide area investigations to do recon work and look but not interact with anything that might be involved with the case Basically, we're just an extra pair of eyes or the local police will mix us in a surveillance operation And we would follow low-profile individuals and report their day-to-day activities. These are completely confidential Then there are client contracts This is where corporate clients contract our company's personal investigations unit to investigate their employees' day-to-day activities while on the job to see if there is some hint that an employee is committing a crime and to report if there is a reasonable proof that an employee is breaking the law on company time. The job is to gather evidence to prove guilt or innocence. These aren't confidential, but we usually sign an NDA. And finally, there are personal contracts. When a person wants to hire a personal investigator to do a job, it's usually something along the lines of a husband or a wife suspects the spouse is cheating on them and wants some kind of proof or someone is looking for a relative or lost family and is trying to reconnect with them. There is no disclosure agreement and it's up to the client to draw up a disclosure agreement. Now most don't, but we keep quiet as professional courtesy. Okay, now that the job description is done, let me tell you what happened. About three years ago, I'd been hired to do a personal contract. The client, a rich sleazy snob, was apparently stupidly rich. He hired my unit when I say my unit, I mean the unit I work with a five-man team He believed his wife was cheating on him with other people and he wanted proof of this So he could start his divorce process with solid evidence He contracted us in a six-month contract and was to pay the company xxx dollars upon completion So we set up surveillance cameras all over his large house and in the woman's car with the client's permission We had at least one of the team tailing her at all times good times Day in and out, we watch their lives. And in this line of work, you either get detached or emotionally invested, like watching a soap opera. As we watched them, we quickly realized that this lady was a freaking saint. She volunteered at a soup kitchen and a children's hospital. She helped with local churches, canned food drives, those sort of things. She was the perfect definition of what a good human should be but on the other hand the husband was a total idiot he was the one we caught many times bringing women to his house sometimes two or three girls in a day and that was only what was recorded in the house so we arrive at the four month mark which is basically where we show all the evidence so far and give the three quarter reports we show him everything that we found and have a six hour debrief with video and audio support showing that she hasn't done anything wrong other than a speeding ticket and a few double park situations after we concluded the debrief he looked stupefied he says so you didn't catch her cheating that was the point of me hiring you my boss our captain turns to him with a serious stare perhaps the most serious and badass looking face i've ever seen from that man and said You hired us to investigate your wife. You're unhappy that your wife is an honest and faithful woman? The snob is visibly annoyed. He stands up and is getting his jacket when my captain says, look, there are still two months on this contract. We're going to keep tailing her and we'll meet again after our contract is up and give you any updates. The snob turns to him and says, don't bother. This is over. I'm ending it. Come when she's not home and get your equipment out. So, a week later, we did exactly that. Now, fruit for thought. When contracts like his are made, a small portion is paid up front as a commission fee and the rest is paid at the end of the contract's allotted time. In his case, six months. Now, pay works like this. The commission is divided up between each PI as a bonus to our salary and the salary is what we get from the company to get us through to the completion of the contract. The remaining balance after being paid by the client is then divided into a cut for completion for the PIs and a cut for the office. Good money when done right. So fast forward to the next payday after the contract is officially over. My unit gets a call from our office to come in on the next payday as there is an emergency meeting regarding us and the last contract. We get there and we find out the snob pulled the funding and refused to pay us for the work. So we are getting paid, but just not with the completion bonus. We all left super angry. We went to lunch and brainstormed how to get even with this guy. Then we remembered all the house footage of his dirty deeds. At first we wanted to blackmail him, but that's low and we're better than that. I remembered the wife, so I reached out to her. I set a date to sit down and explain everything. I showed her the videos. She cried for a good half hour i think honestly i broke her whole world it was gut-wrenching i then advised her to get a lawyer and proceeded to give her all the collected evidence and my business card the aftermath fast forward about six months i'm called into court as my company is suing the guy for fraud breach of contract, and unpaid dues my company wins the case easily as his lawyer's argument was that we failed to deliver the result he wanted but we weren't hired to deliver a product we were hired to observe and report we got paid in the end. I was contacted by the wife who thanked me for all the evidence. She got a divorce. Because of all the evidence I gave her, she got almost everything from him. His huge house, both cars, and a huge cash sum. Moral of the story, don't try to screw over people who specialize in gathering evidence and reconnaissance. I mean fair enough good moral and all but you would have thought that a normal logical person not even just someone that's not completely stupid would have would have thought that before going into this entire debacle no like you know that cameras are being set up in your own house yet you're still bringing women back and being unfaithful to your wife the one person that you're trying to catch out for I don't know an unknown reason probably so that you can then in your own head enable yourself to keep cheating on her knowing that she's doing the same I don't know very logical very interesting story good stuff from the pis but yeah what a stupid man for so many reasons next up tell others i hit my dog see what's coming for you me and my husband i'm 28 he is 29 are in a chicken breeding club which provides an allotment garden like structure we joined a year ago and got to know klaus an old man who actually lives in one of those said gardens at first he was very kind and helped out one or two times But after a while, he got very greedy, telling us to help him in his garden, selling stuff for him on eBay, or just care for his chickens. Some people did say that we should keep our distance from him, but we didn't listen. He regularly invited us to drink a beer with him, acted like he knew all of town, is well known and has many connections, but the real thing was, yes, he was known, but for all the bad reasons. We talked to him a lot in the first few months and we noticed he's highly addicted to alcohol and tries to make a dime out of everyone and everything. You know the saying, blood is thicker than water? Not for him. At first, he helped us out. For example, giving us some tools for free or giving us money for working over at his place. Also, we kind of felt bad for him living your last days in a garden shed but after a while he gave us next to nothing for our work no money broken tools so garbage we had to dispose of not even a thank you he also started to talk to us in a very demanding tone old male karen like instead of messing with him we started to simply distance ourselves from him not doing any more of his work his last effort to win us back was to buy 20 weed plants and put them in his garden and show us he knew we smoked But as soon as he demanded that we sell his future 5 kilos, we backed off again. As others noticed that we'd stopped hanging out with him as much, they started to tell us how Klaus truly is. He started to live there as soon as another club member, since dead, lost his home and lived on his farm over there. As for the rules of the club, that's not allowed. But if he was allowed to, then Klaus had to be too. Klaus lived there for 14 years, not because he was homeless or another stroke of bad luck in life, but because he wanted to live as inexpensively as possible. We learned he had loads of debt. No wonder, considering how much he drank. We found out that this is the case since he's been old enough to drink. He's tried to rip everyone off of their money since forever. His brother, his best friend, even his wife. Some say if she was still alive, he would sell his own mother. As the weeks went by, we learned more and more about him. That he'd done this with nearly everyone who joined the club, not just with us. We saw it too, as a new member, who's also mentally disabled, cut his hedge for him for 16 hours and got 20 bucks. And no thank you. Klaus started to dislike the way we stayed out of his way. So his response to that was to talk terribly about us even threatening to tell others that we smoke which is illegal over here i mean real full-fledged lies for example we would owe him 200 bucks we'd do parties till late at night at the farm we would hit our dogs at that last point we snapped so we bought a drone got videos of his weed plants and got the police involved get them before they get you klaus peacefully sat in the club's community house drinking beer at nine o'clock in the morning as 10 police officers walked in directly into his garden little klaus turned his head around like an owl and immediately stood up and walked outside he asked one cop hey can i help you and they asked for his name oh mr klaus we were actually looking for you behind the officer talking to him the other cops raided his farm not only finding the plants but discovering themselves that he does live there they see a living room with an obviously used bed food leftovers a tv etc they asked him where he has his address he told them the address of his long deceased brother They send a car to that address, but found no clue he could be living there. By the way, he also got money from the state, social benefits, also meant to cover his rents. Now, the rent on this farm is 30 bucks per year, so huge no no. Money fraud is one of the worst things you could do over here. The cops stayed at his farm for the next four hours collecting evidence. The whole farm surroundings were patrolled by some cops, so word spread like a wildfire. Every single farm owner got over there to see what was happening. Cheering that this douche finally got what was coming for him after ripping off so many people. It was amazing. This dude had 14 years to make this farm his little hidey hole, making money out of it. He split the whole community, giving us a bad name overall, and not even bred chickens. He just had them to sell the eggs. Oh my god. To his luck, he was clever enough to tell the cops it was only CBD. This is still illegal, but not as bad. So they had to send it in to test it, buying him some time. The club held a meeting that was a trash show as soon as this topic started he said that we planted the weed there he only gave us the little plots most laughed some said nothing we voted for his eviction had to as the rules he got 15 against him and just three voted for him to stay so our revenge is not over yet I'll keep you updated. Now, at the time of recording, OP says that Klaus has just four weeks left before his court date. So I assume that if an update is going to come, it will be at the result of that. Uh, I can't think what might happen to him. Uh, Hopefully he does get enough time because surely they're going to test and they're going to know that the weed wasn't just CBD. They're going to know it's just, you know, full on marijuana. And surely he's going to be sent down for a long time. You would hope so. You'd think so anyway. But I don't know. Maybe he's done something silly or clever in the meantime. Who really knows? Just thinking about it, it does actually come across as quite sad. Like, Klaus, at the end of his life, spent 14 years living in a shed. No one wants that you could just feel bad for him if you heard about that without any other context but the fact that he's doing all this other stuff ripping people off just being horrible in general and then also just being a criminal yeah he deserves whatever's coming for him but i didn't retire my friend i'll call her sandy worked at a travel agency in british columbia canada it was a small owner operated business with the owner and three employees including my friend everyone worked monday to friday from 9 a.m to 5 p.m One of my friend's co-workers, I'll call her Jane, an older woman in her early to mid-60s, was a long-time nuisance employee. Among other sketchy behaviour, Jane was always scamming ways to take time off over and above her official paid vacation time. In order to make up for the lost hours, she would claim overtime hours and pay by supposedly going into the office in her off hours to finish up work without being requested to do so by the owner despite being caught in her own lies on a number of occasions and being warned about trying to claim for unsanctioned overtime the owner of the travel agency was reluctant to officially reprimand jane or get rid of her the reason being is the owner discovered after she'd hired jane that jane had actually been fired from her previous job at another local travel agency for pulling the same stunts However, Jane had sued her former employer for unfair dismissal and had won a settlement. After a few years of my friend Sandy working at the travel agency, the owner was ready to retire and offered to sell the business to my friend. Sandy took her up on the deal and took over the business while keeping on Jane and the other employee. Once again, just as the previous owner was afraid to get rid of Jane, so was Sandy for fear of being sued. When Sandy took over the business, she instituted guidelines regarding taking time off and she established an official no overtime policy. Jane would still try with her shenanigans, but was far less successful in getting what she wanted with my friend in charge. However, Jane still had one trick up her sleeve when she wanted to take time off on a whim. Sandy was a divorced single mum of two boys who were heavily involved in youth hockey she would sometimes leave the office an hour or two before closing to get her boys to hockey practice or a game. In order to avoid requesting in person and potentially being denied, Jane would wait for Sandy to be out of the office to book a day off if she didn't feel like coming into work or had made plans. Sandy would then arrive at work the next morning only to discover that Jane wasn't coming in. Despite this happening a number of times, Sandy would usually let it slide since there was now a definite no overtime policy. Therefore, Jane could no longer claim to come into work on the weekend or after hours in order to try and make up for the day off. She'd either miss out on a day's pay, in turn saving Sandy money as the owner, or it would come out of her remaining paid vacation days. Moreover, two people in the office at one time could usually handle everything. Jane not coming in was really a no-loss situation for Sandy. There was one time, however, when Sandy was going to be away for one or two workdays, just before the weekend, to take her boys to a hockey tournament. She told both Jane and the other employee, both verbally and in writing, that they could not book time off for the dates in question, since she would be away and needed both of them in the office. Within a few days of giving this notice sandy went into the office on a saturday to do some paperwork and go through the sales for the week This is when she discovered that only the day before, Jane had booked a trip for her daughter and son-in-law to Las Vegas, as well as a plane ticket in her name to Calgary, where her daughter lived. Both the trip to Vegas and the ticket to Calgary coincided with the date Sandy would be out of the office. Sandy then checked the vacation booking schedule to further discover that Jane had indeed booked the days off that she'd expressly been told she couldn't have. Not mentioning she'd discovered the traveler Jane had booked for herself and her daughter, Sandy emailed Jane, telling her she would have to deny her the days off since she'd already been told they were unavailable because she, Sandy, would be away and needed Jane in the office. Through a continued series of email exchanges, Jane replied an outright lie to Sandy with some excuse about her daughter getting some long-awaited medical treatment or surgery and she needed to go to Calgary to help out for a few days and look after her granddaughter. Sandy replied to this lie by telling Jane she knew about the trip she'd booked to Vegas for her daughter and son-in-law, that Jane's trip to Calgary was most likely to babysit her granddaughter while her daughter was in Vegas, and that she would still have to deny Jane the days off, especially since she booked them after being told they were unavailable. Jane countered in her subsequent reply, without even addressing the fact that she'd been caught in a lie, that she had been a dedicated employee of the travel agency for several years and couldn't understand why she was being treated so unfairly after all she'd done for the business. She then wrote that since she wasn't being treated as a valued employee, she had no choice but to retire and was giving her two weeks notice. Despite Jane's threats, Sandy replied that she would still be unable to grant her the days off and left it at that without making any mention of Jane's threat to quit or retire. Sandy then contacted her accountant, who also acted as her de facto business advisor, and explained what had happened with Jane. Also aware of Jane's previous shenanigans, Sandy's accountant told her that this was the out she'd been looking for with Jane, and she had it all in writing. He told her that Jane had essentially resigned and retired, and all Sandy needed to do was honour Jane's desire to do so let her finish out her two weeks or pay her two weeks wages in lieu with no further severance pay legally required since she hadn't been fired. The following Monday, Sandy went into the office early accompanied by her long-term boyfriend to act as a witness. She put Jane's belongings from her desk into a box and took the things that were property of the business. Since Jane was old school and had resisted inputting client information in the computer database, this also included a small box filled with index cards which had client phone numbers, addresses credit card information and other personal information noted on them in the meantime the other employee had arrived for work and they all waited for jane to show up jane arrived just before nine acting as though nothing had happened and greeted everyone with a good morning as she walked through the door However, she was apparently taken slightly aback when she noticed Sandy's boyfriend seated in the far corner of the office. At this point, Jane was midway to her desk when Sandy informed her that there was no need to go any further and that she had accepted Jane's notification of retirement. She then handed Jane a check compensating her for the hours she'd worked in the current pay period as well as two weeks wages in lieu of Jane finishing out her final two weeks before her retirement. Jane was dumbfounded and went into panic mode but I didn't retire. I'm not ready to retire. Sandy responded that indeed she had retired, given her notice and had proof of it in writing all jane could do was continue repeating but i didn't retire i'm not ready to retire while unsuccessfully attempting to get the support of the other employee who refused to come to her defense sandy then pointed to the box containing jane's belongings wished her a happy retirement and told her to leave the office jane quickly rifled through the box and noticed that the small box containing the index cards with client information was not there she insisted that sandy return it to her to which sandy refused explaining it was property of the business contained personal client information and that she would be in violation of canadian privacy laws if she were to let jane take it jane's shock had now turned to obstinance and she refused to leave without the box both the other employee and sandy's boyfriend had started to get involved repeatedly telling jane to just leave sandy then informed jane that if she didn't leave they would have to call the rcmp canadian police at which point sandy's boyfriend dialed 911 to inform the dispatcher of a disgruntled former employee at xyz travel agency Who was refusing to leave the premises within a few minutes two police officers arrived and jane immediately ran to the door ranting about being fired and about the missing box of client info in order to de-escalate the situation one police officer told jane to come outside and explain to him her side of the story the other officer remained in the office to hear sandy's side agreeing that jane was not legally entitled to the box of client info the other officer then re-entered the business and told jane to wait outside he said that jane was insisting that sandy was holding on to her personal belongings namely a box of important information both sandy and the officer who had spoken to her explained the context of the box to the other officer who in turn agreed it was not jane's property the police officers then picked up the larger box of jane's personal belongings took it outside to jane and told her she needed to go home to rub salt in jane's wounds the next day sandy put up a large sign in the window of the business congratulating jane on her retirement and even put a small announcement in the local news newspaper doing the same thing. The icing on the piece of revenge cake was sandy when filling out the necessary government forms so when an employee quits, gets fired or retires, made sure to check the box labelled retired for the reason for Jane no longer being employed. By doing so, Jane was ineligible to collect unemployment insurance benefits. And there we go, a lovely little story of revenge to start today's episode. I've got to say, it must be pretty terrifying when you have a horrible employee like this person, like Jane, and you know their track record. You know that if you fire them or let them go, they're gonna do everything in their power to sue you. And you know, they've got a good track history. They've won before, they might financially ruin you. How terrifying would that be as their boss? So the fact that you have her explicitly saying that I'm going to retire, is just so good. I love that you lawyered up to make sure that everything was legal i love that you got your boyfriend in there for a little bit of muscle and i love that he caught the police as well because why not get this swine gone you did and now she's in the mud good stuff want some free gas i got you bro so several years ago my friend and i we will call him boris would always help each other do the spring cleanup for our properties This included taking out damaged trees, preparing garden plots and taking care of our weed infested yards I was going to be first on the cleanup detail So I prepared tools and implements the friday before the big cleanup was to happen Sharpening tools and chainsaw chains, lawnmower blade and just getting everything in order Among those tasks was mixing two cycle oil finished up kind of late and generally put things away for the next day the next morning boris shows up with coffee and biscuits at around 8 a.m as we were sitting on his tailgate enjoying breakfast my neighbors ride by in their beat to heck chevy cavalier smoking like a freight train we'll call them rocky and bullwinkle boris and i made the usual jokes about the amount of smoke pouring from the exhaust Dang, better they go to the gas station and fill up with oil and check the gas. We soon finished breakfast and thought no more about it. As we begin to get the tools laid out and hash out a plan of attack, I cannot find my gas cans. No mixed gas, regular gas, or a gas can in general. That's when it dawned on us why the car Rocky and Bullwinkle were driving was smoking so bad. I'm fuming to say the least. Well, all Boris and I could do was go shopping for gas cans, gas, and more to cycle oil after we returned we saw rocky and bullwinkle pass by several times but all in all we got a lot done the next weekend we dedicated to clean up at boris's a weekend or two go by and we have a family dinner at my wife's rocky and bullwinkle's grandparents oh okay i guess your wife is cousins with rocky and bullwinkle towards the latter part of the evening we were having a few drinks most people had left and myself and my wife's grandfather were shooting the breeze when i had to take a leak as i was doing so i saw a gas can with very distinct paint on it I inquired from the old man about how it came into his possession and he stated that rocky and bullwinkle left it there I simply explained it was mine as was another and loaded them into my truck It ate at me every time that pos car with my post neighbors went by So I hatched a plan from a rotten egg I went and bought a few gallons of gas a few gallons of diesel fuel and some other various oils I made a concoction of these different chemicals and filled my new six gallon gas can I had to purchase with some clean gas i filled the lawnmower and cut some grass that evening making sure rocky and bullwinkle saw me then i put everything away but forgot and left that rotten egg gas can out i got up and went to work the next morning and didn't even think to check on the can but when i got home i checked and it was gone my wife informed me that my plan must have worked as she watched rocky and bullwinkle go in and out with the car not only smoking but spitting and sputtering as well the last time they rode out they didn't ride back in Hmm. They gave me about an hour of peace before they came over and wanted to know if I could look at the car and see what was wrong. If it could not be fixed on the side of the road, maybe tow it home. My response, I've had a long day and I've got a migraine, maybe tomorrow. I saw the panic set in when I told them that. That's when they told me they had no insurance and it was on a main road tough luck. So the highway patrol did run across it and had it towed. It was going to cost them around $500 to get it out of impound, plus they had to have current registration and insurance. The car just wasn't worth that. Well, they're those type of people that good luck just falls on them. And the pastor for a local church gave them an old Taurus. It took me a few cans of rotten egg gas, but I got the motor to lock up after about a month. This time it quit in their grandparents' yard. So they scrapped that, and as luck would have it, they got their income tax returns. They bought a nice-looking Ford F-150, but it began having problems too. Smoked really bad. They did take it to a mechanic that eventually found the problem. He got the truck running right again for about $1,500, and I've never had any more gas come up missing. Thanks for reading. So you're telling me you totaled two motors and cost these guys over $2,000 just for something that they did that is some pro revenge right there and that is what i love to see you know what's mental is it took them a long time to realize what was going on there it took them two cars plus kind of their first one i guess as well to understand that they were just being absolutely done by you you knew what they were doing the whole time and to be fair good karma for stealing you shouldn't be allowed to get away with this and they didn't pro army revenge is par for the course Dear reader, I had an illustrious 21-year career in the United States Army, which miraculously concluded with an honorable discharge. 21 years and 14 combat deployments produce a lifetime of stories. The overwhelming majority of memories are comical and worth remembering, like the time I barrowed another human's truck, or the time I relocated an artillery display in my barracks room. However, some memories are extra ammunition after a live fire exercise, worth donating to Chuck and Barry, Memories suppress so well they never happened. However, these memories can be unintentionally triggered. I worked at The Bad Place before attending assessment and selection. Working there was the sole reason for attending selection. The Bad Place was a three star command and nursing home for dying careers. It was a mixture of National Guard, Army Reserve, active duty, and Department of the Army civilians. It was essentially a foreign planet for a soldier who'd grown up in regiment. And the 82nd Airborne Division. Overnight, I transitioned from Airborne Infantry to the Equipment Tracking Officer. It was my sole purpose in life to source pre-deployment training equipment for deploying National Guard and Army Reserve units. These units would request specific types of equipment and it was my responsibility to source at least two-thirds of the requested equipment. I should mention that my boss at The Bad Place was Department of the Army civilian. I had 10 years of service under my belt and it was the first time my direct supervisor was a civilian. Now, I've got no issues with civilians, but I do have issues with horrible leadership. And Mike was horrible. Mike was a dirty diaper, full of poop, and always on my bar. Guys, I had no earthly idea what my job was or how I was to perform it initially. Making matters worse, I would quickly learn that Mike had no earthly idea either. Mike only knew what Z final products looked like and was mentally unaware of the other 25 letters in the alphabet. Mike was less useful than blinker fluid and football bats. Fear not though guys, it only took 3 months of working from 5am to 11am to garner a nascent understanding of my roles and responsibilities. Thankfully I had wonderful counterparts at sister organisations. Furthermore, they were all equally aware of how useful Mike was. Fast forward 4 months. The section was still composed of exactly one sloppy, that is OP's name. I was 25% of the total allotted manpower, performing 100% of the duties. If you wait until the last minute, it only takes a minute, was my battle cry. Life was grand. I developed standard operating procedures and automated matrices to assist me. I was even starting to catch errors from the department that validates equipment requests. Remember guys, it was my duty to source two thirds of the equipment request. I had a very unpleasant one-way conversation in August of 2011. My captain, Richard Cranium, was requesting I provide three Rhino buses for training. I kindly explained why fulfilling this request was unfeasible. Problem solved, right? Nope. I then received a call from Lieutenant Colonel Richard Cranium. The issue quickly became a self-licking ice cream cone of chaos. Ring, ring, ring. I answer. The bad place. G4 Equipment Tracking Officer. This is rank sloppy speaking. How may I help you, sir or ma'am? This is Major General Richard Cranium from the California National Guard. Side note. Guys, the Major General is the boss idiot for all National Guard soldiers in the state of California. I do not get calls from general officers ever. How can I help you, sir? He's angry. I'm calling to inquire as to why you will not fulfill our equipment request. Is it not your policy to provide two thirds? I was now a bit agitated. I clearly explained the issue to the company commander, battalion commander, and brigade commander. I now have an irate god-level commander on the phone, and two courses of action are cycling through my mind. I could explain why this request was absurd, or I could go full regiment sloppy. Sir, I clearly explained to the previous commanders why I cannot fulfill their request, and provided other options. I don't want options sloppy, I want my three rhino buses. At this point, I just took on a time-to-get-fired attitude. Roger, sir. Well, as I told the previous commanders, there are only five Rhino buses that exist on Earth. Three of them are deployed to Iraq, and the other two are in Afghanistan. Do you wish for me to forward this equipment request to Forces Command? Oh, uh, that won't be necessary. Thanks, Sloppy. Are you sure, sir? I mean, I can. Uh, no. Did you explain this to- Yes, every single one of them, sir. Disregard. I have some phone calls to make. And guys, the world was right again. At least, I thought it was. It appears the Major General was slow to contact his subordinate leadership. The Colonel had contacted Mike, demanding I supply his unit with rhino buses. One would think a simple explanation would suffice for Mike. But one would be wrong. Common sense is an elusive, fickle creature for Mike. It was like trying to explain what number the letter purple tastes like. Mike said, Did you tell a unit they can't have a piece of equipment? Yes, sir. Why? Because there are only five of them, and they're all deployed to combat zones. Well, you need to figure out how to get them. In my brain, I'm thinking, oh my god, is this man freaking serious? I laugh to myself. I think he is. What? Okay, so like call the Pentagon and ask them to redeploy them from combat because some unit needs to train with them? It's not your job to validate equipment. It's your job to source it. Do you understand? Roger that, sir. Guys, when one door closes, check for an open window. I had over 90 units on my desk and 32,000 pieces of equipment to source for the month of August. It didn't take long to find a window to crawl out. I found a unique request from an infantry unit. They requested a plethora of equipment and it all made sense. Minus four pieces of equipment. I thought, I'm pretty sure those four pieces of equipment need to be on a different type of request. Right? Yeah, but it's not your job to validate it. Oh, right. Guys, I sourced it. All four of them. It was not an easy task either. I literally had to scour the entire country for available inventory. I made phone call after phone call to make this request happen. None of the items were collocated. They would need to be transported from the far stretches of the continental United States and failure was not an option. I had fulfilled my responsibilities. I sourced the equipment and turned it over to Mike for signature. Mike's signature magically allocates funding and authorizes the transportation of said equipment. Dear reader, poop typically rolls downhill. However, this specific request defied the laws of gravity. Poop was going to roll uphill. I called back through the window and waited a month for the fallout to ensue. Truth be told, due to my heavy workload, I'd forgotten about my magnificent accomplishment. It was another horrible day at work until I received this magical phone call. The Bad Place, G4 Equipment Tracking Officer. This is Rank Sloppy speaking. How may I help you, sir or ma'am? Hello, I am Sergeant First Class Ricky Bobby. I am the long-range surveillance platoon sergeant for this unit. Hey Ricky, how can I help you? Well, I'm looking at four helicopters and I'm told I need to sign for them. Let me look at your request. Yes, you requested two UH UH-60L Blackhawk helicopters and two UH UH-47 Chinook helicopters, correct? Yes, but I requested them for SPIS, Special Purpose Insertion Extraction System, and FRIES, Fast Rope Insertion Extraction System Training. I am not a pilot. What the heck am I supposed to do with four helicopters? I mean, once you sign for them, they're yours. I suppose you could try to fly them? Oh, the freaking army. I suppose I could. Don't worry, man. I've got your back. I have already coordinated with our aviation validators to support your request. I'll give you their number. I'm ready to copy. 867-5309. Thanks, man. Call me back if you have any issues, brother. I'll walk upstairs, G3 operations, and get this sorted so you boys can do your spies and fries. We'll comply, man. Guys, not only does poop roll uphill, but poop rolls uphill faster than I expected i just hung up the phone and was departing for lunch i didn't make it five feet before i was beckoned to mike's office there are four chairs in mike's office one with a load-bearing capacity of at least 400 pounds and four normal people chairs i was awkwardly surprised to find it was already standing room only the g4 colonel deputy g4 and g3 operations colonel were already in mike's office mike says it seems we have an issue sloppy in my brain i think we i say really? I'm not aware of any issues, sir. Well, a unit is at faulthood, Hood and the battalion commander is wondering why one of his platoon sergeants signed for four helicopters. I'm shocked. Did they request four helicopters? I can go and get the equipment request. No, I have it right here in my hands okay uh did they request yes they did i don't understand that look the issue is says the colonel that we needlessly shipped four helicopters across the united states there are already helicopters at fort hood helicopters and pilots there to support spies and fries training they are there specifically for this type of request sloppy did this request not look odd to you at this moment in my head i am laughing hysterically absolutely sir i reply the entire room has shocked faces just baffled as frick then why did you source it sir as i understand it it's not my job to validate it's my job to source it mike made it very clear on multiple occasions oh sloppy do you realize you just cost the army over one hundred thousand dollars to ship equipment that we didn't need to ship but sir no mike says the colonel You just cost the army over $100,000. Sir? Mike, it is your signature that authorizes allocation of money and shipping. Did you tell Sloppy it's his job to source to not validate anything and only source? Well, sir, I did, but- The Colonel starts walking out. Mike, let's have a meeting in my office. A quick side note, I know the other Colonel. We'd worked in the same unit when he was a major. He follows me out, sits on my desk and starts laughing hysterically. How in the frick did you do it? Do what? I ask. Find four helicopters. I called everyone. I leveraged my network of contacts and made it my mission. What does your counterpart say about the request? Well, they have the same sentiments as me towards Mike. Oh, honestly, that's impressive. Well, sir, I was going to get pooped on either way. So I decided, screw Mike. Yep, screw Mike, I guess. Guys, thank you for reading my pro-army revenge. I have good news. I no longer work for Mike after that interaction. Other misdeeds, stories, came to light after that encounter. I had a long desk side meeting with the G4 colonel and fully detailed my relationship with Mike. It's nearly impossible to fire Department of the Army civilians, but it was easy to move me. The other colonel found a more suitable position for an infantryman. It also sucked, but he gave me ample time to prepare for assessment and selection. I was at the bad place for 18 horrible months before I found greener pastures. I could lament on all the horrible things, but it's not worth it. Why? At least I know where to go if I ever need four freaking helicopters. So I guess um, the too long didn't read It's just screw Mike. What a terrible bloke. I'm happy he got found out. But my word, imagine working under someone like that. I do feel for all of you that have terrible bosses. It must be just so toxic. Gotta to say shout out Sloppy on this one. Love your writing style. Great story. Now to end today's episode, I've got a story of nuclear revenge from you. And let me tell you, you're not going to want to miss this one. Here we go. Landlord tries to defraud us and ends up losing his visa instead. This happened a long time ago, but I recently found out about the end results and figured that it might belong here. If you've never heard of the US EB-5 visa program, then don't worry, I hadn't either. From what little research I've gathered, this is essentially a program where foreign nationals can fast track U.S. residency visa status by contributing financially to approved community investment projects. I don't think that these specifics are that relevant, but feel free to add if I've missed anything important. So, when my husband and I were still dating and first looked for a place to live together, we settled on a small townhouse. It was old and needed work, but the rent was reasonable and it was in a neighborhood that we liked. The landlord had recently purchased the property but didn't live there and wanted renters to help pay for the mortgage, I assume. We found the house on a realty website. It had been sold less than a month before we moved in and still had photographs posted by the seller. This will be important for later. We liked the place, applied and got accepted. We moved in and lived happily ever after the end. No, but seriously, the landlord left us alone. We lived there for a few years, paid rent on time, never had issues until we moved out. We had to pay nearly 5,000 in refundable security deposits, and when we moved out, our landlord repaid half. We were confused, as the lease laid out the steps the landlord had to take in order for them to keep the deposits. Central to that requirement, the landlord had 45 days to provide us with an itemized list of damages we caused, as well as the cost to fix each thing. 45 days came and went, and no itemized list so we contacted them and asked for the list. We received a mostly blank one-page invoice for $2,500 to repaint, remove TV mounts, patch holes, etc. It wasn't itemized and there were no individual charges, so we asked for pictures of the alleged damages. The landlord immediately got hostile and refused. So, we filed suit. The landlord hired an attorney to represent him, and the attorney submitted an itemized list as well as pictures. We printed date-stamped copies of the photos posted by the previous realtor, the same photos submitted by the landlord's clueless lawyer. The clerk overseeing the matter found in our favor immediately. Because the landlord had lied about the photographic evidence, the landlord was also found to be in breach of contract and was assessed treble damages plus interest, penalties, and court costs. Yay for us. But he didn't pay, so we submitted to a collection agency. I don't really understand the particulars. We eventually recovered most of the final judgment, so we were happy and left it at that. Until. Unbeknownst to us, the landlord was an EB-5 applicant. Apparently, the breach of contract, collection, and shenanigans surrounding the dishonesty regarding the lawsuit made it back to whomever was reviewing their visa application. There were other issues too, I'm sure. The landlord's visa application was denied. He ended up having to cash out of his US investments and won't be eligible for this visa again. The final outcome was an unintended consequence, but I kind of feel like he got what he deserved. You see, it's people like this that just give landlords everywhere a terrible name. Why do this? Especially in the knowledge that you are currently applying for a visa and if you get found out for something like this, which is fraudulent, you're gonna be in jeopardy and probably not get it. Like, why do that? You don't deserve one because you're a fraud, but still, what goes through your head at that point, I think, yeah, I know I'm in this kind of perilous position here that it could all go downhill for me if something happens, but I'm gonna risk it all for this anyway. Like, what are you even gaining, a few thousand dollars? Is that really worth it? no make my co-workers cry i will help karma turn your life upside down backstory i worked at this hotel for over two years and was one of two people left that went through the training when our hotel changed hotel franchises during this training we were told about certain rules the company had On to the story one afternoon i was scheduled to work second shift three to eleven i walked in and both am front desk co-workers looked like they'd been massively crying as their makeup was smeared my manager looked quite angry I ask, what's wrong? My manager replies, we have a major jerk as a guest. This guy is the highest level on the rewards for the hotel chain. He's very demanding and wants free upgrades, free this or that, and screams anytime he has an interaction with the staff. This guy has made every department call me complaining about him. Now, he just came to the desk and screamed at these two co-workers until they both were crying. These two ladies were fresh high school graduates and were very sweet and innocent people. They loved helping people and didn't deserve this treatment. As he's explaining this, I look up this guy's room details. My manager finishes explaining everything this guy had done. I see this guy's info and I got a smile from ear to ear. I reply, Didn't you see he is an employee of a different hotel? Yeah, but so what? Said my manager. Well, first off, while you travel as an employee, you are required to behave and be respectful. It's in the fine print on the discount form. I grabbed this form and showed it to the manager. Failure to be respectful can lead to having your employee discount suspended or permanently revoked and even get you terminated. You need to call this guy's hotel and ask for the GM, then explain to him who you are and what this guy is doing. I look up the hotel phone number and call the hotel and then hand in my manager the phone. My manager ends his call with their GM and has an evil and satisfying smile on his face. His GM is steaming mad after I described all the stuff this guy has done. Then the main switchboard phone rings. I answered, Hello, thank you for calling the hotel. How may I direct your call? The caller says, Put me through to the entitled jerk's room, please. I replied, Absolutely, sir. Have a nice day. I transferred the call and looked to my manager and say with a sarcastic tone, Someone wanted to talk to the entitled jerk. Gee, I wonder who that could be. My manager continues after he stopped laughing. The GM gave me his personal cell phone number and said if I have any more issues at all to call him immediately. I'm leaving the phone number next to the switchboard. If you need it, call him. I told my manager, your revenge is done, now for mine. Oh, what are you gonna do? He replied wide eyed. I smile a very evil smile, you'll see. I pick up the phone to make a call. Hello, hotel rewards customer service, Yes. Yeah, I would like to report somebody using a reward account while using an employee discount at his stay the customer service replies He can't do that. Yeah, I know I'm calling to report him I gave her the guest reservation number and rewards member number. I continued I bet anything if you dig through this guy's history You'll find all of his days are probably at employee discount. Okay I'm starting a ticket to have this guy's account investigated. They said thank you i replied then i hang up the phone my manager watched as i then remove his rewards number from his stay my manager had a huge grin on his face that was awesome I explain. Oh, I'm not quite finished with him yet. It's time to go and spread the news to all departments that he is no longer a rewards member. I made a new key for his room without concierge access. I walked around to every department. As I explained why I was stopping by, everyone had the same reaction as soon as I mentioned the guy's name. Oh God, what about this butthole now? Finished explaining that he was no longer a reward member and if he gives anyone issues to call the front desk immediately and his general manager already probably tore him a new one just a minute ago. Everyone was so happy at this news. I finally went to the concierge room and used the guest's new key to void his current key. Then I walked into the room and explained the information to the evening concierge. She cringed at the mention of his name. After explaining that she would not have to deal with him again and asking her to leave the morning person a note about this guy not being allowed in the concierge, room anymore she was very happy while i was gone evidently the manager explained what we did to the 2am front desk ladies the minute i got back to the desk both my front desk co-workers came up to me and gave me a huge hug thanking me so many times after my other co-workers went home my manager said to me do me a huge favor please i replied sure what's up if i ever anger you please come and tell me so i can fix the issue Later that night, the entitled jerk comes to the desk, hat in hand, politely saying his key doesn't work. I replied, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Let me make you a new key in the best fake smile that I can muster. Aftermath, the next day I check his rewards accounts and it's now suspended. I chat back next week. Sorry, account number not found wow i think that is the definition of pro revenge there all completely legal so well thought out you knew exactly what you were doing in the same way that this guy had no idea what he was doing you would have thought that someone that's exploiting two things at once who works in the industry might understand what they were doing and know that they're probably gonna get caught at some point but maybe he thought he was too clever for his own good and he was let's be honest craziest thing about the story in my opinion is that it's so weird that someone that works in the same job as everyone else that he is abusing and being horrible to could do that could act in that sort of way surely he knows what it's like to deal with entitled people in general and people that are just horrible to you at work he works in that role in his own job yet he's the one that's doing it to other workers at another hotel a very similar one to his i don't get that surely he'd have a little bit of passion for people that are pretty much your colleagues but no good karma fully deserved You're an idiot. I was able to simultaneously gain a 30k per year pension for my mother while wiping my POS father's retirement. My father is the Canadian Satan. Growing up with him was less than fun and I can assure you based on witnessing it, he was a less than fun husband. I'd go on about what a POS my father is, but instead I'll quote a judge. You're the most despicable human I've ever had in my courtroom and that's coming from a family court judge I read this whining endorsement of my dad's personality in the court documents I acquired related to his divorce with my mum The same place I discovered the crazy stuff that he'd engaged in to steal from my mum It's also where I found the information I needed to get one over on him so severely that he's going to disinherit me A frame of reference about my father is that he's a pathological narcissist and behaves exactly how those people are compelled to act they aren't generous people, and punching them in the wallet is like a slap shot to the taint from Gretzky. He's kind of like Donkey from Shrek, but also Joseph Stalin, a monstrous jackass. Chapter 1, Hosea 3.8 Those that sow the wind shall reap a whirlwind. Our actions always have consequences, and my father has plenty to answer for. My attempts to hold into account didn't jump to immediate jihad. They started with diplomacy and a therapist. About 10 months ago, when our tale begins, I was going through some stuff. Stuff being a whole lot of PTSD related to both my dad's abuse and my job as a paramedic. He did a ton that affected me deeply things that i needed to move past along with all that other razzmatazz from 15 years of ems in so trying to move past and work through everything i quit drinking started turning my untreated ptsd into treated ptsd and thinking having my dad involved might help me and our relationship well i seriously freaking misjudged that one so you'll probably be unsurprised to hear that conversation went swimmingly i'll spare you the lurid detail but when i broached the subject with him our back and forth degenerated into visceral hate with him screaming at me that i'm a failed paramedic liar and pos alcoholic while i have a certain pride about my job i have more pride in my 14 month sobriety so hearing this from my old man might have caused me to behave a little bit psychotically I got right annoyed at him and decided to dig up every bit of dirt I could, see what kind of man he actually is and has been. When it was convenient, I hopped in the mystery machine before taking a trip to the courthouse to unleash my inner gumshoe. Everything is public record, so I bulk bought copies before retiring to my easy chair to read, plot, and pet my white long-haired cats. For good measure, I obtained a file of divorce document from my mother. Soon enough, I hit upon a line of inquiry worth following up on, It seems that during the final settlement of my parents divorce this was in 2002 My mother was awarded one third of my father's employment pension She was a stay-at-home mother and could not earn one herself. So it was given to her by a judge Mighty freaking strange because my father as he brags took a nearly full pension and retired a bit early There's no way that guy was living the last 10 years after retiring early on a two-thirds pension He isn't constantly complaining about it so i asked my mother if she was collecting a pension from his job or had cashed out the value 100k plus at the time 20 years ago the answer was no to both questions well that's interesting i wonder if that's collectible on and what 20 years of compound interest from a pension fund makes it worth well i did eventually find out along with the fact that my dear old dad had been collecting my mother's portion for 10 years in hilariously open violation of a legal order from a judge why didn't my mother pursue this sooner a combination of being unable to afford a lawyer being his victim for 20 years and pessimism after so much of his continued dodging obligation to the order she just quit there is effectively no statue of limitations that he could hide behind because of the wording of the document insofar as i could tell i had him dead to rights and my mother would be collecting It would be a slam dunk. I just needed to hire a lawyer to help me. So I set out to find the most unbalanced, bloodthirsty, psychotic who passed the bar exam. Chapter two, and your pension lady? As it says in the good book, screw unto others as they would screw unto you. So that's what I set out to do. The misanthropic sociopath I hired for legal counsel suggested we send a demand letter to the pension office to try and remedy it before filling what would undoubtedly be an easy win for him. I agreed in spirits and instead phoned up the pension office and got put through to the woman managing my father's file. Well, she was a delight, and it was a trivial matter for me to get her to loathe my dad. We talked for 45 minutes, and I swear, if you'd given me another hour, I could have convinced her to suicide bomb his house. In all our conversations about life, families, and relationships, we got down to some things of note. Since I could show her correspondence her office had sent to my father, CC'd my mum on, from some years ago and ongoing for five consecutive years, trying to resolve this matter, which he'd ignored, she was more than willing to start the process on remedy immediately. Full cooperation from this lady and her office was a matter of merely providing documentation and with my lawyer on retainer this office was beyond asking my father to comply they complied for him about two months since i last spoke to my father and he had no idea his pension was about to take a serious hit below i'm going to break down how big a turd I put into his bowl of ice cream. My mother's portion was made whole and adjusted to reflect that her portion was brought to maturity and beyond, so his early retirement doesn't affect her fund. So, he loses 10 years of valuation to her. He also retired 3 years early, which knocks him down now to 17 years of pension valuation, not 27. If you've forgotten, my dad had been collecting my mum's money and was overpaid by 30k per year for the last 10 years. Like I said, mum was made whole, so the pension company is going to claw back that overpayment from the base valuation of his current pension fund i'm not exactly sure what that does to the number but it effectively nerfs my old man's private retirement fund he does though have government old age pension but he took that early too whoops my dad did some awful stuff to me but i only had to suffer 17 years of him My mum still has the high score at 20. As much as I did this for spite and malicious glee, I did do it also to give my mum a chance at a proper retirement. Chapter three, glitter bombs of justice. My mother started collecting her pension about three months after I contacted the pension office. And to celebrate, she bought tickets to New Zealand for the family for Christmas so that we can see our relatives. I was able to get most of my retainer from the lawyer back and to celebrate, I went online to order a glitter bomb. I was able to ship it to my old man anonymously from another country. God bless the USA. I heard through my sister that he opened it up in his stupid red Miata. Oh God, he'll never get rid of it. Okay, as I was reading that story, I'm not going to lie. I was trying to do the maths as I was going and um, I couldn't do it because I'm stupid. But goodness me, that's a lot of money. Let's just try it quickly. Come on, give me the benefit of the doubt here. 30k per year for 10 years that's about three hundred thousand, right that's the first lump sum and then on top of that i can't be able to work it out but all the compound interest that you're talking about the stuff that the pension firm must have made the fact that your dad's had money taken out of his government pension fund as well and all the stuff that he's had to pay back it's not looking good is all i will say i hope that your mum has a much better retirement and old age life than your dad um, because it's what she deserves you know it's super unnecessary as well but i actually love the glitter bomb at the end Like, you've made so much money out of this man. Rightfully so, I will say. Like, it's your mum's money. But still, you've got so much money back. But no just to be petty, right at the bitter end. You're like, nah, screw it. I'm sending him a glitter bomb as well, just to really ruin his day. And he it in his car as well to compound his misery. I love it. This will be a long one. So grab some popcorn. Let me start with a little background. I am a 28 year old man and my wife is 26. We married three years ago and we've been together for six years total. When we met, I was already in my third year of college for a special branch of a very productive industry. Something like the US army. You go to a different country for a few months, do some really dangerous jobs, get paid a lots come back for a few months and so on. In the beginning I was going for 6, 8 or even 10 months at a time in order to promote as fast as possible. Now I earn around 4 years of medium salary in my country in just 3 months. It's a hard job but I love it. My wife was very supportive and I always knew that it's very hard for her to have this kind of lifestyle. I always try to spoil her and compensate her for my time spent away with tons of gifts and trips to exotic places. Two years ago when I came home after an extended contract, I had to stay all Almost two more months because all flights and borders got shut down during COVID, but I did get an extra 20% salary during this time. She told me she can't take it anymore. She goes crazy alone at home and she has nothing to do. She lost her job during COVID and didn't want to work again after that, which I fully support because I want her to be happy and money wasn't a problem. I was petrified and at first I believed that she'd want to break up. Then she continued with, I love you so much and I want you to give me a baby so I can take care of him and have a little bit of you when you are gone on your contracts. After five months of hard work with no woman in a 100 km range, making a baby was done very fast and multiple times just to be sure if you know what i'm talking about i was nervous for the first month because we always feared we may not be able to make a baby for the first four years we didn't use any kind of protection except pull out and she never got pregnant but after a few weeks she wakes me up with a long kiss and a smile on her face then shows me her test results i was the happiest man alive everything changed I was a man now. I was a father. I was on top of the world I was going with her to every doctor appointment and during my contract I was asking for ultrasounds instead of nudes the birth had no complications and everything went amazingly One month later, I'd go on another contract to make some money that should cover every need for our little baby Halfway during this contract. I receive a text from my wife which shattered my life The text was short and simple, and I would never forget those four words that were sent to me in the deepest depression I'd ever had. I want a divorce. I didn't understand. I tried to call her to find out what happened and nothing. After a few days of talking back and forth, she said, I want a divorce so I can marry with the love of my life. I was already preparing my suitcase because I'd made a request to my company to send me back as an emergency when i got home she and the baby were gone two weeks later i was in court to settle the divorce during this time i found out that she's had a lover for well over four years and she plans to marry him as soon as the divorce is done now the laws in my country are different and i knew that my first priority should be a really good lawyer my wife had a really trashy one and she decided to speak by herself without the help of the lawyer most times her whole idea was i'm a woman and he is never home." Well, even if the laws usually favour women in my country, cheating is considered to be a break of contracts, the wedding contracts. And she wanted to take full custody of our children in order for me to pay child support. I was not letting this happen. I speak with my lawyer and an accountant, and it seems that I only had to pay child support from my base salary. My bonus is not included in child support because it's for my life risk and it's mine alone And because the company pays less taxes on that danger bonus I have a lot of them and my base salary is around 10% of my income When she found out that she would take almost nothing from child support And I gave her the option of me taking full custody of the child with a no contact rule And I'll never ask her for child support She agreed in a second Basically, she agreed to get out of our lives. We even changed the birth certificate of the child to me, the father, and just a blank space for the mother. She gave up any kind of claim on the baby. During the trial, her lover was asked to come as a witness and the idiot agreed. He is an AliExpress version of Andrew Tate, an alpha man who treats women like trash. And this seems to turn her on. And he's got a pretty good income and has a small company. Yeah, less than half my salary, but he's always home. And it's still a lot for our country now during the trial he said they cheated behind my back for three years and that the baby is his and that she tricked me to make her a baby in order to not find out about her cheating he said all this just to make me feel horrible i guess because this is actually kind of illegal something like alienating love and other law terms that my lawyer explained to me he basically said that he knew that i was married but decided to ruin the marriage anyway now, at this point, the child's situation was already done and an agreement was signed. The judge asked my wife if it was true, and she said yes, and ordered a DNA test just to confirm. After the DNA test confirmed what they'd said, the judge said that she'll let me cancel the agreement and settle the situation again with my wife now that the child is not biologically mine. I said, no, your honor. The child is mine, and I want to keep him. The judge was stunned for a minute, but then she said, Well, if the agreement is a valid contract, and since you don't want to void it, then, OP, you are a father, and no one can take that child away from you. Now, in my country, it doesn't matter who the biological parent is, it matters who the parent is on the documents. And since my wife's lover knew he was the father from the beginning, but didn't come to the hospital to declare it, he automatically cancelled all of his paternal claims." sounds stupid but it makes sense it's in order to protect the idea of a family and if a man recognizes a fatherless child at the hospital he shouldn't fear that the biological father will come back it's in order to protect the value of family and encourage people to do a good thing and start a family and things like that now the divorce was over i got my baby and my wife was out of my life The first thing I did was to hire three babysitters to work eight hours a day so my child has 24-7 someone to stay with him and I have time to prepare my revenge. I started two separate companies with the help of an online assistant from India. You can hire them kind of cheap and they do whatever you need online. This guy made two super professional companies on one industrial... This guy made two super professional companies, one in industrial credits, giving money to businesses for a lower rate than banks, and the second one was a copycat of my ex company, but this one was in the same city as his. Both were made just for one client, my ex wife's lover. My assistant started sending tons of ads for my credit company to him emails targeted Google, FB ads, etc. I was sure that he knows that if he needs money, this is the place he can take a lot with low rates. Next, I made a lot of advertisements on the second company. But the company had only the machines and the rented space and only one worker the cleaning lady Every time somebody called for the company services, they got immediately declined because we're overbooked my ex's lover Let's call him dan was one of them multiple times actually And he got mad every time he got rejected because he sees how big the competition is now it was the time to give him the bait because my company had some problems in the main country i don't even know in which country this company was registered they changed the management and wanted to make some fast profit so the regional manager wanted to sell some of the equipments when dan heard this he started calling and sending emails to buy them out the response was something like we are an international company we can't sell the brand but we can sell some equipments it was illegal for me to sell the company without showing him the accountant's data which was empty of course but equipments I could just sell with a simple contract. He wanted the competition out of his city. He did not need the equipment. So the manager gave him a deal. If you buy our equipment for, let's say, three times the price, we can say in the contract that we won't do business again in this city. In just two hours, I received calls and emails to my first company for a credit for that equipment and blah, blah. I knew that Dan was out of money because he spent a lot on his future wedding with my ex-wife i sent him a contract based on our evaluation the equipment is not worth that money so he'll need to give us a guarantee from his company and he's not allowed to sell any equipment or parts of his company until he pays everything back and if he's behind on a payment for six months straight i get all of it also in the contract i stated that the credit company will buy that equipment directly basically i just give myself my own money and i made sure every single word of the contract was legal and a deal was good enough for him to take Later that same day, he sent me the signed contract. Now, normally he should be able to pay for everything, even if the clients he hoped he would get from this company leaving are not existent. He still should be able to pay if he gives me around 80% of his company income for the next five years. Fast forward a bit. On the day of his wedding, I go to give him an envelope. In my country, you give money in envelopes as a wedding gift. He started to laugh at me and tell me to get out because I'm not invited and he doesn't need my money. I smiled and I told him to open it. He looked inside and saw that I was expecting him to come into court next week. He laughed and asked, what is this? And I told him, see you in court. Enjoy your wedding night. The next week he came. I was suing him for child support. As I said, in my country, if you're aware that you have a child and refuse to go to the hospital to recognize it, you are no longer the father but you are still forced to pay child support and it's actually an increased rate because you try to dodge responsibility like running from a car accident scene he didn't want to pay so he tried to say that he wants the child or co-custody that he's the biological and blood and whatever this made me happy because i wanted to drag the trial on as much as possible to drain him of all of his money but i couldn't after the judge saw all his declarations during the divorce trial she ended the trial really quickly forcing him to pay me 40 percent of his and therefore his company's income from the time the child was born until he finishes college or i get married And guess who didn't manage to pay? And guess who was the new owner of his company? Now, I don't work anymore. I just run his company and spend almost all my time with my child. All right, so let's quickly recap you managed to get rid of your cheating wife get rid of the aliexpress andrew tate and also stop a child from having a terrible life with terrible parents oh and on top of that you made an unbelievable amount of money and you ruined a guy who just left his child at the hospital what a win just looking through some of the comments now people are saying how beautiful it is and how they hope that op and the kid are doing great and op has said that they are doing great they spend almost all their time together except when he has to go to work for about four to six hours a day but then the babysitter still come because he needs the help he wants his kid to have some feminine energy in his life too yeah makes sense also his parents are very supportive i mean just sounds like a brilliant you know relationship there what a man fair play to you and your family i just can't believe that for four years your wife was cheating on you i mean look i know it's not that uncommon but four years you away obviously but earning so much money to provide for her while she doesn't even work after covid yeah tough spot but still she's not actually earning any money that's just a fact Yet she's the one cheating on you and obviously look, it's hard for her when her husband is away for all that time i get it but you know it is kind of what she signed up for i'm presume that you talked about doing this job and that you are going to be away for a long period of time ah embarrassing but hey that is the uh the joy of life That's for sure pay your tattoo artists. This happened when I was young I heard it secondhand from my grandmother who the main character of the cast lived with at the time My uncle's ex-girlfriend was an all-around horrible person an abusive babysitter She got my uncle into bad crowds and legal trouble and dabbled in so many substances from a to z She was also heavily tattered. There was an artist the star of the story who was a family friend great dude insane work She asked him to do a piece for her huge intricate angel wings. Oh the irony across her back He agrees it takes several sessions across weeks. She repeatedly has to postpone payments But he's chill family friend yada yada until it comes to the last session when it slips that she still doesn't have the money and more importantly Won't have the money like ever now the pro revenge no collection agency no refusal to continue he smiles, waves it off, and says he'll finish up, no charge. It's gonna be a great piece, legendary, one for the history books. He guarantees. She is stoked. So right between those gorgeous wings, right up her spine, this idiot now has a massive veiny male appendage proudly standing at attention up her spine. She saw it in the mirror when he finished, and she was livid. But hey, what's she gonna do? She didn't pay him, and wasn't going to pay him, and expected hours and hours of work. You give a lot of trust to someone when they take a needle. To your skin to lay down something permanent don't stiff your artists the best thing about this revenge is that yes although the tattoo artist isn't going to get compensated financially for his time this woman is still going to have to spend loads of money either getting this tattoo modified with some more artwork on top of it or just getting it removed via laser removal either way she's screwed i'll come back so long as larry isn't there to give you some background on my friend tim he's been programming since he was like seven years old tim said by the time he got to college he breezed through most of his comp sci classes because a lot of the content they were covering he'd already mastered years prior tim is an excellent programmer tim's career has been quite successful he's worked for google facebook amazon and finally a hedge fund the story starts at the hedge fund tim works a lot with ai technology and at this hedge fund he was the lead programmer manager who spearheaded an effort to optimize their ai that helped them complete literally millions of trades a day. To say his work had a massive impact was an understatement. All of this going on with COVID-19 in the background. Due to COVID-19, they went to a work-from-home model, where my friend Tim kept working. During the work-from-home, Tim was looking around his fancy $4,500 New York City apartment and wished for things like a yard, a heated pool, a nice three-car garage, and not living in a high-rise. It dawned on Tim that he could now leave New York City. So Tim moved back to his hometown in Michigan, where he bought himself a really nice home with a heated pool, a three-car garage, a nice yard, and guess what the yard had in it? A mother-in-law suite, which was essentially a two-bedroom, one-bath, second home on the property of his main home, which he turned into his man cave. It's actually pretty sick. Oh yeah, and his mortgage payment was far less than his 4.5K a month rent, like half. Tim spent the rest of his COVID-19 work from home, hounding out projects, etc. He never actually informed his employer on an official basis that he moved, he just kept working. Then COVID-19 ended. Tim's boss, Larry, calls him up and goes, Alright Tim, on Monday we're starting work back at the office. And Tim goes, Yeah, about that. I moved to Michigan. Larry is shocked and goes, You didn't even ask if you could do that? And Tim basically said, Well I didn't know I needed your permission to move. In a sarcastic as frick way. Larry insists that Tim needs to move back to New York or he won't have a place on the team. Tim says he's been doing the exact same work from home at a high level for the past year. He's willing to travel to New York for a few meetings a year on his own dime, but he feels his quality of life is so much higher outside of New York and he has no desire to move back. To which Larry said, if Tim doesn't have any desire to live in New York, then he has no desire to keep Tim employed. Now guys, what do you think a talented senior programmer with over a decade of experience who specializes in AI technology is going to say to a response like that? If you're thinking he quits, You'd be absolutely right. He quits. Now anyone that has done any programming knows that sometimes the best person to maintain the code is the person who wrote the code There's logic. There's thought processes There's so much that goes into programming that can be so individualistic It can be hard for someone to take over a code They didn't write six weeks go by when john calls tim now john is the ceo of the hedge fund John gets tim to agree to consider coming back So that's when john suggests they fly tim to new york and he sits down with john tim, however Flipped the switch and said no. How about you fly out to michigan? And we discussed this Tim said he said that because he wanted to establish if he was going to come back it was going to be him working from Michigan and if he was going to talk about his employment it was going to be done in Michigan. John agreed and two days later flew out to meet with Tim. Tim sits down and John says they really need him because he provided a lot of value to the organization and the programming team is struggling. John offers Tim the opportunity to come back with a 20% pay cut since he won't be living in New York and John called that a cost of living adjustments to which Tim said no I want a 15% raise above what I was earning. John sits back and responds, the reason we pay what we pay is because we ask you to live in New York and we understand that's an expensive city to live in. To which Tim says, you pay what you pay and you pay it because I'm worth it. If I wasn't worth what you pay, you wouldn't be paying me. Now, my first condition is if you want me back, it will be a 15% raise. John goes, and second? The second condition is I'll come back so long as Larry isn't there. John sighs, you're asking for too much. To which Tim goes, you don't need to bring me back if you don't want to, I'll be fine elsewhere. John says, I'll talk to the partners. And Tim says, my offer is good till Friday. What do you mean? Asked John. Next Monday is when I'm going to start looking for work. This offer is good until Friday. Now the day that John left was the Tuesday. That Thursday, the phone rings. It's John. Tim, we're transferring Larry to a different fund. He won't be working with you anymore and we're fine with giving you a 15% raise. Can we send you an offer letter for you to sign? Tim said, of course. And Larry is really gone? Yep, you'll never need to interact with Larry ever again. That was at the start of this year. Tim hasn't been in new york and hasn't heard from larry and hasn't seen larry or had any communications Etc. See guys, i'm not entirely sure where I stand on this story and the conclusion for a few reasons First of all, I don't know about you But to me this all seems quite petty and tim seems like a little bit of a petty person Like what john is saying about living in new york is the truth They do pay more there because the cost of living is higher. Yes, of course the work is valued at a certain price And I understand that but it is also true that they're paying you more to be able to live there So you not living there Субтитры DimaTorzok going to live somewhere else not telling anyone but still expecting the same and also not expecting to go back into the office when you're allowed to go back into the office is pretty weird do you not think look i get it clearly he's a very good engineer and it's important for him to remain in that role i do just kind of think the power went a little bit to tim's head in the story is all i'm trying to say like did larry actually do anything wrong here that's the question covid19 ended and he asked you to come back to work and was annoyed that you weren't living in new york i think that's all very reasonable and ultimately you were the one that forced him to move positions something that i doubt he wanted to do so look it's kind of on the company i get that because you should never give an employee this much power and also i kind of understand it if you're thinking that tim was well within his rights to get as much money as he could and live in a nicer place and have a more chilled life etc etc ultimately it was the company that allowed him to do so but overall i don't know who's in the right or the wrong here let me know it's an interesting one cheat on me and brag to your friends enjoy deportation I met this girl, 22 at the time, while I, a 30 year old man at the time, was working in a national park and she was a housekeeper on a work visa. We instantly hit it off and within a month we were in a relationship. We even had a solid long distance arrangement where we'd visit each other on recreational visas in our respective off seasons. I'd spend a few months in Romania or meet her at some vacation destination, then she'd spend a few months in the States. This went on for about two years and eventually the conversation came up with her family about possibly moving her to the States permanently. Romania never really recovered from the Ceausescu regime and political economic corruption makes life pretty unpleasant for a lot of people. Her marrying and moving to the US meant that her mum wouldn't have to worry about her daughter having a good life. I arranged for sponsorship and proposed to her. It seemed like my dreams were coming true. Then, about a month after she's all settled in, I get a message from her best friend back home. What followed were a year's worth of screenshots wherein she bragged about conning me into paying for her residency while she cheated on me with eight different men. In her friend's words, you are a good man and you don't deserve this. So over the following two weeks, I reported her to ICE and Homeland Security for a conversation her brother and I had over a bottle at one point. He bragged about how he'd done time in prison for smuggling weapons to Turkish terrorists and how she'd been his lookout on several occasions. As you might imagine in the war on terror days, this was not taken lightly. She was immediately arrested and deported and put on a permanent no-entry terror watch list want to take advantage of me and cheat have fun never being able to come back to the states now look guys i'd be lying if i said that i don't love nuclear revenge supernova black car revenge all that stuff you know that involves things that are just truly mental incredibly illegal that sort of thing however there's something amazing about legal revenge like this that's just so professionally done nothing too drastic just all within the law and yeah you got what you wanted Legally. Okay, looking at the comments, apparently Opie still hears from this person. And both of her brothers, most of her cousins too, all sending him death threats. And her mum congratulating him, saying she could use a son like me. Strange. The mothers are proving what you did, but the rest of the family are saying you need to die Franchise owner told me I was a nobody who should know her place. He doesn't have a business now I got hired to be the manager and completely run a frozen yogurt shop after working at a different location that had different owners for years I was promised great pay and complete control. I get there and it was a train wreck The type of yoghurt they sold you took a powder base, mixed with milk and add flavours. The workers were just pouring straight milk into the machines. The floors under the machines literally had never been cleaned i found an anthill under the cold topping cooler i found mold in multiple machines they didn't have a blender to mix the yogurt or a recipe chart for employees the owners also owned a subway so the only knives they had were dull subway knives they had no gloves or cleaning supplies of any kind besides dish soap i worked my butt off cleaning the store literally spending hours with a razor scraping the years of yogurt off the floor the owner fussed at me for doing unnecessary things on the clock and demanded that i clock out if i wanted to do that he also owned kept four employees at a time in the store and tried to make them all work at the subway too so we could just pay them that way i refused one of the employees he had when i got there was literally 14. the state i lived in allowed that but had very strict rules about it like they can't work before 7 a.m or after 7 p.m they need to have a 30 minute break every four hours etc the owner made the schedule and i noticed that he had the 14 year old there alone for six hours I go in on my day off to order toppings and then told her she needed to clean, not just sit on her phone the whole time. She got annoyed with me, but finally did it. Then I come out of the office, clock in, and tell her she has to take a 30 minute break. She goes off on me and I'm like, look kid, it's the law. She called the owner about it and he immediately yelled at me that I was no one and had no authority i have no right to make a clock out and i needed to understand my place so the next day i opened i cleaned all the machines filled them with cleaner water not yogurt and put them to wash cycle i mopped the awful floor took out the trash then went into the office and typed up a sign with pictures i'd taken of all the disgusting things i'd seen and since fixed i printed it out taped it to the door on the inside so it couldn't be ripped off locked the door slid my keys under it blocked the owner and left the sign read dear customers i apologize for the inconvenience due to the owner owner's full name believing this is an acceptable way to keep the store and that cleaning this is unnecessary i a nobody who should know her place have decided you deserve to know the disgusting state of this store prior to my employment The store will remain closed until he tricks someone else to manage it for minimum wage after promising 18 dollars an hour feel free to speak to the owner at the subway across the shopping center i don't recommend eating there though i've also contacted the department of health and the department of labor for his illegal hiring of a minor without following the law and his demand that all workers here also work at the subway so he only has to pay us subway checks with yogurt shop name hours added on Corporate of both the frozen yogurt chain and the Subway have also been contacted over the multiple contract violations the owner has done. Apologies again for the inconvenience. If you still would like a cold sweet treat, I recommend another ice cream shop nearby. In conclusion, the yogurt shop and his Subway got closed down. Oh wow, it's clear this guy is just rotten to the core. Like all the stuff that he's trying to do is so illegal. What's he doing? Saying, yeah, you're actually a Subway employee, but no, you don't actually work in that building. It's just easier for paperwork, and I can probably pay you less. That's probably what he was going for. What a strange man just trying to get every possible penny out of you lot going against employment laws like why is he employing a 14 year old in the first place and then not having them do the stuff that is just so legal again in the same way the first story what you're doing here is completely legal which i love the sign by the way so good imagine being a customer going up to that shop and reading that you'd be like what the heck has gone down here i love it and yeah i'm gonna go to another yogurt shop not this one it's a really bad idea to make a government employee angry this one is a double government employee event and what you should know is if you get the attention of a government employee and make them angry they will make your life a living hell the setup is that i was working for a local county government in the permitting department to handle drainage and floodplain enforcement i received complaints from a homeowner a nice guy who lived next door to a house that was part of an incorporated village not a nice guy The nice guy lived in an unincorporated portion of the county and hence the call to me as an agent of the county i drove out to the sites and to investigate and discovered some interesting facts the permitting agent for the village allowed the incorporated homeowner to fill his lot affecting the drainage which caused the unincorporated lot to flood Every time there was anything more than light rain, the nice guy indicated that there was some tension between him and the not nice guy, and part of the issue was that the nice guy and his partner were a gay couple. This ran up a red flag for me, but in trying to be impartial, I took the information and some photos for the file and indicated that I would contact the village to find a resolution. I wrote a letter and then called the village inspector, Jack Wagon, to discuss. I was told by Jack Wagon that the village could do as it pleased, and that I could do nothing to stop the not nice guy from doing as they pleased, as it was approved by the Village. There was then a comment about those type of people the gay couple making complaints just to cause trouble I was now on the case and it was time to make sure everything done on the incorporated lot was hundred percent legal At this point the game certainly was now on because if there's one thing that grinds my gears it's bullying Well, hey i go one step further than that it's not just bullying it's also homophobia i went back out and spoke to the nice guy to let them know what i was up to and also that i was not going to let this slide i then started investigating the elevations on the two lots and what philip placed on the incorporated lots the not nice guy came out and started getting belligerent about my presence and ongoing investigation he incorrectly stated that i did not have jurisdiction over his lot and that he would be calling the police i patiently listened and then pulled out my two-way radio and requested that the home base dispatch both a village and a county police unit to the location i then indicated that since there was a regulatory floodplain on his lot i did in fact have jurisdiction and that i would be exercising my right to determine the impact of his fill activities upon that floodplain both of the police units showed up and i let them know what was going on they were both appropriately agitated to have to waste their time and let the not nice guy know that i was within my authority to proceed with the investigation a little while later while i was measuring things jack wagon showed up He started berating me about harassing the village resident and threatening calling my boss and filing a complaint and so forth. I invited him to do so, quoting which parts of the code he should indicate I was violating. I was using marking paint to show the limits of the floodplain for the photos for the file. And what do you know, Jack Wagon's shoe got painted when he tried to stop me. Obviously, he was even more angry, as was the homeowner, due to very bright orange paint in the grass in his yard. I pointed out I had done the same on the neighbouring lots, but they just kept complaining. It was actually marking chalk that comes off pretty easily. Interestingly, I found two really wrong things on the Not Nice Guys lot. One, there was fill placed in the floodplain. And two, a garden shed was built on the fill and partially within the floodplain. Both are a big no no and are actually against federal law. So the course of action had two parts. First, make the incorporated homeowner remove the fill and shed from the floodplain. And two, let the nice guy place fill in their lot outside of the floodplain. To counteract the fill remaining in the not nice guys lot outside of the floodplain i also told the nice guy it would be a good idea to run a field tile on their side to drain the water that would inevitably pond up between the two lots when it rained predictably the not nice guy and jack wagon got super angry when i sent the letter out that there were violations that either had to be corrected remove fill and shed or apply for a revision of the floodplain with the army corps of engineers good luck with that this then led to a meeting at the county office with not nice guy jack wagon my supervisor and myself quickly things went to 11 and there was yelling by jack wagon about abuse of power etc The department head came into the conference room and told them both they were wrong and that they should leave peacefully and comply or face the consequences, fines. The best part was that the not nice guy had to apply for a permit and guess who was the one to review and approve it That's right yours truly now i was following the letter of the law but you have to know that poor government workers are underpaid and overworked strangely the permit for nice guy was almost immediately approved while the not nice guy had to have a very thorough review to ensure it was correct you can make a case that i was abusing my power but i can assure you that the timing for their review was well within accepted limits also how could i be held to account that they misfiled three times before they finally got it right generally if you behave like a civil human and came to the office we would help you get things done properly so the permit would go through first time but the not nice guy decided he could do it all on his own so it took him three tries had he come to the office i would have given him the same service as others but he decided to take the hard route and therefore i didn't give a single inch when it came to the submission being perfectly correct ultimately the situation was resolved but it took a lot more effort than it should have Moral of the story, don't be an entitled homophobic jerk. Well, if you didn't know what floodplains were, guys, now you do. Uh, A lot of technical stuff in that one. But if you got through that okay, then fair play to you. And also fair play to me for reading it. I've got to say, although it was technical and what you did was great. Yeah, the main issue here is that there's clear homophobia going on. I think what you're inferring is that if this couple weren't gay then none of this would have really been an issue in the first place, which is just horrible to see in 2022. She cheated on me, so I had a threesome with her former ex-boyfriend and the guy she cheated on me with. To clear up any confusion that might come up you have to know that i am a bisexual man I love sharing this story because i'm still proud of it A few years ago my ex-girlfriend cheated on me with another guy She then had the audacity to tell me that if i was a grown-up I could deal with it and that she hopes we can still be friends But she lost any feelings for me and is fully in love with this new guy now If she hadn't said that i probably wouldn't have made this plan But now i had to teach her a valuable lesson I was in a depressed state for a long time and I couldn't bring myself to delete her number and she thought I was friends with her now She started to send me pictures of her and her new boyfriend with laughing emojis She didn't even care about how much she'd hurt me and then one day while I went through tinder I found someone who looked quite familiar her new boyfriend Of course, I wasn't going to tell her that her new boyfriend is on tinder In fact, I matched with him which was quite surprising because I thought he was straight and we started a conversation He didn't know who I was She never told him that she was in a relationship while she was flirting with him, but this was perfect We had longer conversations and he told me more and more about him over the weeks We learned more and more about each other and now I had a plan I suggested that we could meet each other at a bar, and he agreed. Keep in mind, he was still in a relationship with my ex-girlfriend at that time. When we met, we had a great time, and one date became many dates. It took me a few months, but then I got him to the point where he developed feelings for me, and I was his affair. What he didn't know was that I got in contact with my girlfriend's former ex-boyfriend as well. He broke up with her because he came out as gay. I was in contact with both guys. The ex-boyfriend and I got along very well. In fact, I made him a close friend of mine now in my conversations with my new boyfriend we talked about sexual desires and he told me that he always wanted to have a threesome so i suggested one with the gay ex-boyfriend i knew that he was his type because we kind of look alike and he had feelings for me so i asked the gay ex-boyfriend if he wanted to become the third one and to my surprise, he said yes. I'm honestly still surprised how all of that worked out without her noticing, but it did. And then the day came where I decided to go nuclear. The two guys came to my apartment, I led them to the bedroom, and they started talking to each other. While they talked, I took a selfie from a safe distance. Close enough that she could see their faces, but far enough that they wouldn't notice. Then the action started. Of course, I'm not going to go into any detail, but dang, I enjoyed it more than anything in the world. A few days after this, I told my ex-girlfriend's boyfriend that now that I'd granted him the wish of a threesome, I wanted something in return. I told him that I don't want to be in an affair any longer, and I told him that he should either break up with her, or I will break up with him. I knew it was hardcore manipulative, but I had a plan, and I had the full control over him. He actually broke up with her and threw her out. I even got him to move out of his apartment to move in with me, meaning that she lost both her home and her boyfriend. But I wasn't done yet. Because after that, she texted me with crying emojis that her boyfriend dumped her and that she regrets leaving me. I then said, your boyfriend? Are you talking about this guy? And I sent her the selfie I took. She called and texted me several times, but I ignored her. My plan was almost successful. There were only three things left that I still had to do. The first was that i told her mother who hates infidelity more than anything because her father cheated on her mother with another woman you could say like father like daughter her mother was angry but thanked me for telling her from what i've heard her mother cut ties with her but i admit that i don't actually know if that happened and i don't think it has happened it would be funny if it was true though the second thing i did was dump him because unfortunately for him he was a cheater too and i also hate infidelity the last thing i did was go out with the gay ex-boyfriend And after a few dates, we got together and we're still a couple in the end I destroyed both her and the guy she cheated on me with and I couldn't be more proud of myself Uh, okay. Wow. I mean like what what have I just read you lot know that I like giving my comments at the end of stories But sometimes very rarely I am just left absolutely speechless by what i've just consumed. What on earth was that? Like from start to finish that was mental um the twist the turns just everything uh, a truly exceptional story i am flabbergasted even up until the last sentence there i wasn't expecting that the fact that you're now with her gay ex-boyfriend as a couple and you're still together now what's um amazing strange i don't know just overall astonishing really what a way to start off today's episodes now before we get into our next story i have a very special announcement for you after an insane amount of demand from you guys i'm delighted to say that i've released some limited edition not today karen merch picture this you're out and about in the streets and a wild karen appears and starts confronting you what do you do well normally you have to talk to a witch like this however get one of these t-shirts or hoodies on and all you have to do is simply point to it laugh and walk away how easy is that the link is down in the description if you like what you see go ahead check the stuff out i think they'd make a great christmas present or even just a little gift for yourself as always it's official stuff from the very best supplier so the quality is unmatched and it's one of the best ways to support me and the channel with that being said let's carry on pedo gets entire life ruined i've gotten permission from my older sister to write this story i'm not the one doing the revenge here rather my father uncles and a few gang members my parents came to the united states in 1987 coming from From Zacatecas, Mexico A few of my aunts and uncles were living here In South Central LA before my parents came I have in total 5 siblings 2 sisters and 3 brothers I am the youngest, now 18 years old My sister is 3 years older than me, so 21 She was 13 years old at the time of this story my uncles were gang affiliated And my eldest uncle who is now 62 was an amazing tattoo artist. This is relevant My dad wasn't a gang member, but was well known in our city for participating in gang activity But he never really jumped in one of my uncles threw a party for his daughter's birthday Practically anyone who wanted into the party was allowed to join. I know stupid mistake by them Myself my brothers and mother weren't at my party as it was also my mother's sister's birthday and we enjoyed being around her more but my sisters went with my dad as they were close to my uncle's daughter. My sister was left alone sleeping in my cousin's room, since our parties always ended up going until the next morning. The door to my cousin's room didn't have a lock. As my sister was sleeping, she felt someone touching her. As she woke up, she realised it was a boyfriend of one of our older cousins, 17. The boyfriend was 19 at the time. Nothing was known beyond that until a month later when my sister finally told my mum. That's so brave of her, since she was only 13. Many people at that age keep quiet for years. By then, everyone on my dad's part of the family became aware of this, including my older cousin, the one with the pedo boyfriend. She was heartbroken, but agreed on something with her dad. She set up her boyfriend into meeting up with her at a local park. My dad, along with my uncles and a few members, wasted at the park at around 9pm very lonely barely lit a quiet park a friend of my uncle known as santi rest in peace had a small rv in which they waited that pos arrived at the park that is when my dad and the rest ran up to him and started beating the heck out of him until they dragged him into the rv once inside they still continued to beat the heck out of him until they arrived at my uncle's place the one who did tattoos. Once they arrived, they took him inside when my uncle was ready with all of his equipment and gave him some new artwork all over his face, neck, head, and hands. All over, he had writing indicating that he was a pedo, including an extremely big tattoo across his forehead all the way to the right side of his head. They waited until he woke back up at around 2 a.m. They dumped him in front of his father's house, not to be discovered by neighbors until the sun came out. My father left a heavy, well-written note on the door of the POS dad's house. This led to his dad giving him his own set of beatings and finally kicking him out. Surprisingly, one of his friends let him stay with him for a while. Until a month after the incident, him and two of his friends were found guilty of a murder charge. Apparently, the murder happened around three months before this whole incident. Lapido was charged with a second degree murder along with a few other charges. He was sent up to Chino Penitentiary. Two months in the pen, he was R-worded, beat, and finally killed by some African Americans, getting shanked three times in his chest by a screwdriver. We're not sure if this happened due to his tattoos indicating he was a child pred, or if it was mostly a race thing. Regardless, if any of this didn't happen, he would have still been taken to the pen due to his conviction. So my uncles and father have no guilt for this. My older cousin understandably mourned his death for a while, as it was so unexpected Expected for him to turn out to be such a POS to this world. They were together for three years prior to this incident. As for my sister, she is doing well for herself currently attending Cal State Long Beach. Well, that is good news at least, the fact that your sister is now in a better place. I mean, the fact that she said this in the first place at just 13 years old, as you said, OP, the vast majority of people in this situation, probably to be expected, don't say anything. They're so scared to even mention it to anybody and they live with it for a long, long time, maybe forever before ever saying anything. But the fact that she said that after just a month is incredibly brave. I mean, unbelievable. As for this dude, the child pred, what do we reckon, guys? Get in the comments. Is it fair that he had the tattoos put on him that he went to prison and was killed murdered? Is that justice some would say it is some would say it's a bit too far. Let me know What do you think for me? I'm not gonna lie. I think it's just about alright. right. They screwed me out of my pay I screwed them out of their company Many years ago, I got a job with a marketing company during phone deregulation. It was the Wild West and a lot of small long-distance companies sprang up, all trying to get a piece of the pie. Eventually, they all got bought up by the bigger fish. But at the time, they were all paying hired gun marketing firms very well to score contracts for them to lock people in. I got a job with one of those marketing firms a new age capitalism company that insisted we all do yoga and breathing exercises while they rang a little bell and gave us affirmations about how many contracts we were all going to sell and how much money we'd all make the job was a hundred percent commission but i was always good at sales so i looked at the pay scale and noticed that it was exponential presumably to entice people to work hard with impossible payouts we were allowed to work as many or as few hours as we wanted with the payout based on your weekly sales numbers I decided I'd give it a shot for one week to see how much I could realistically make before deciding whether I was willing to put up with the tasteless vegan snacks and mandatory voluntary yoga regime. For the next week, I pushed myself as hard as I could, For seven straight days, I worked 14 plus hour days every single day and used every trick and technique I'd learned doing sales to score as many contracts as I possibly could I figured that this would tell me my maximum possible income and could decide on that basis whether to stay at the end of the week I'd blown everyone else out of the water In fact, I'd not just gotten more contracts than anyone there had ever seen in a week I'd gotten more than any of them had seen in a month Because of the exponential scale, I realized that I was making absolutely ridiculous amounts of money, over $10,000 per week. They had never expected anyone to actually hit those kind of numbers. Coming in the next week, expecting a huge payday, I ended up with about 5% of what I expected. They told me there were problems with a lot of my contracts and that I would be allowed to fix them and submit them a few at a time Over the next several weeks These problems were things like an apostrophe wasn't quite clear or the dash in someone's phone number was slightly crooked They were going to screw me that night I got a phone call from the company's office manager frank who wanted to meet up for a drink curious i agreed over beers frank told me that the owners of the company were in a panic because i would have bankrupted them he said they spread out all my contracts on the floor of the office then they crawled over them inspecting each one trying to figure out if i was committing some kind of fraud when they comprehended that all my contracts were legit they decided they had no choice but to screw me over frank told me he realized at that point that if they would screw me they'd screw him too and besides he was tired of doing yoga He asked me if I would be interested in going into business with him and going head to head with his bosses. I thought it sounded intriguing, but I asked him how he thought we could compete. Frank explained that he'd found out they didn't actually have the contract for our city. They were acting as independent contractors for another company who had the contract to market the service in an entirely different city. They were poaching here because the person who did have the contract here wasn't actively using it. We put together a pitch and approached the guy with the real contract, Joe, and told him about the people poaching his turf. We agreed that we'd split with him. We'd take the upfront money for each contract, and he'd get the backend money down the road it was a good deal for everyone so joe contacted the phone company and had them threaten the poachers with a big lawsuit if they didn't stop a week later frank and i strolled into the offices of our old employer most of the furniture and all the yoga mats were gone and there was just a table a couple of filing cabinets and a file box with the final pay envelopes for everyone i made a show of counting my money to make sure it was all there and the two owners husband and wife told frank and i bitterly that they'd have to take cash advances on their credit cards for this money and asked me if i felt guilty for destroying their lives i smiled and said nope and left our marketing company made us a lot of money over the year until the company got bought up by sprints and the gravy train ended Well, my friend if you were bought out by sprint, it it seems quite unlikely that the gravy train ended. That's ridiculous I mean to do that in a year very very impressive fair play to you You know what's funny is that people that do illegal things like these two owners who genuinely have frauded you out of what? 95% of the money that you rightfully made that you were contractually obliged to then say when you do something legal to get revenge on them Do you feel guilty? No, obviously not you were the one that broke the law I stuck by the law and ruined you your fault revenge and roadkill a love story When I was a sophomore in high school, a new guy moved to town, Matt Matt played guitar and I was a singer Our love was meant to be We started dating when I was a junior and he was a senior. I was 16. He was 17 Honestly, it was a super cute romance that would probably make a decent wattpad story But it wasn't meant to last as I was moving to a new state at the start of my senior year This story takes place about two weeks before the end of my junior year and the school and town are getting ready for senior graduation That was my first everything losing my virginity wasn't great But is it ever for everyone's sake? I hope that i'm wrong Matt and I were awkward, but managed to talk boundaries before anything happened. In this conversation, we agreed that it was really important to both of us that this stayed private. Absolutely no bragging or being weird around friends. Griffin was a senior, and someone who was in our group of friends, but not a close friend. We were all in either orchestra, choir, and or band. Everyone in those programs ran in the same social circle. Griffin was a Christian, and it was a big part of his identity while we were at school. He had this, like, charisma or something. He used to invite classmates to his church while gently shaming all of us for not being exactly like him even though he was a bummer his whatever charisma kept him active in the social scene and he was at all of the major hangouts i can remember during that time i was friendly with griffin because to put it simply i lacked confidence i grew up in a church where i was taught that men were more important than me to never question a man my own mother shamed me for wearing my volleyball uniform at home because it was inappropriate and could confuse my brother screwed up doesn't begin to cover that church or the amount i had to unlearn by the time i was 17 i was fully done with church but still struggling Struggled with all i'd been taught it was a confusing time griffin knew this and his self-assigned senior project was getting me back to church i'm 99 sure it was only about getting matt involved because griffin also wanted matt to be a christian but had so far been massively unsuccessful matt was not a christian and had zero desire to know more he saw firsthand how the church treated me and my family after some rubbish happened that was out of our control matt was not a fan i kept a journal during that time in my life because if i didn't i'm sure i would have done something terrible to myself My journal was plain nothing on it to draw attention because I never wanted my family to think it was a journal It was supposed to look like a school notebook one day during lunch. I was at my usual table where Griffin sat I realized I needed something from the choir room So I left my stuff at the lunch table not thinking anything about leaving my backpack there I had no idea anyone would go through my stuff because that had never happened before and I didn't have anything of value in there Anyway Well, as it turns out, my journal ends up being valuable because I'd written about Matt and I. Griffin thought he had the ammunition to get me back into church, and I'm assuming Matt was supposed to join us. Griffin proceeded to take my journal and tell basically everyone in our social group, which led to most of the school knowing. A private moment became everyone's, and it was freaking humiliating. Thankfully, Matt didn't blame me, even though I felt like it was all my fault. He was more confident than I was, but also didn't get nearly the same shame thrown his way that I was getting. I knew I was leaving in a few months, so I tried to keep my head down and focus on school but being called a multitude of slurs by people i grew up with it grates on you after a while i guess griffin's plan was to shame me back to church but instead all i wanted before leaving town was to ruin griffin it took some time but i got there matt our other friend henry and i were hanging out at my house after school my house backed up to a street that often had roadkill due to being right alongside a huge swath of woods at this point i knew that my revenge was going to include griffin's brand new truck this truck was literally all he could talk about because it was cut Custom. his parents got it for him as an early graduation present it was super expensive it was perfect the bottom line is he loved that truck more than anything he'd ever had i'm not a car person so i have no idea what the track was or if it was good but i do know it was really really tall like you couldn't see the top of it which ended up being bad for griffin but fantastic for revenge there was a big super dead possum on the road behind my house that had been there for what seemed like a week but i don't remember how many days exactly normally the town was good about sending the guy down our road to pick up roadkill, so it had been there long enough for me to notice it which didn't happen often I was staring at the possum because, well, it was there. I'm staring, Matt starts staring, then Henry starts staring. We start talking about Griffin while we're all staring at this disgusting pile. We're talking and I'm getting mad, madder than livid. However, I calmed down when I realized we have an amazing opportunity in front of us. Gentlemen, we're going to bag that super dead possum and put it in Griffin's truck. This wouldn't be quite that simple, so we start brainstorming how we can fully get away with this. Griffin lived in the area of town where it was faster for him to walk to school instead of drive. Shortcut through the woods to school meant a three minute walk. Driving to school meant that he had to go 20 miles an hour or slower, and one of the cops was always out because of how the schools were placed, so no speeding. It still took barely any time, but it was a longer route than the short shortcuts griffin of course drove to school we had a plan i snuck out that night met matt and henry wearing all black and a mask bagged up the super dead possum, the most disgusting thing I've ever done, and drove to Griffin's. We parked a bit away and went through the woods to the back of Griffin's house, lugging this bag of putrid nonsense. This was before the time where a lot of people had cameras on their property, so we didn't have to worry about anything besides floodlights on the side of the house. We decided to put the possum on top of the truck, knowing that Griffin wouldn't be able to see it, couldn't drive like a butthole, and wouldn't be taking his truck anywhere besides school. So, That possum was freaking bloated. And if any of you are at all familiar with bloated roadkill, you may know where this is going. The possum was heavy and not going anywhere until this revenge was done. The next day at school, Griffin parks in the student lot like normal. We go to class like normal. I get called a few names throughout the day and everyone is normal. I went through that day gleefully awaiting the final bell, knowing Griffin was in for a nasty surprise. This is happening two weeks before graduation in a very southern state. It was hot as anything where I grew up with 90% humidity on top of it. So the bloated super dead possum on top of Griffin's car that possum did what an old bloated possum is gonna do which is explode if you've never experienced this smell i hope you never do the final bell rang matt henry and i strategically placed ourselves a bit behind griffin so we could see him once he got to his truck when you made it to the parking lot you made it to the smell it was so horrible people were gagging frantically looking around trying to find the source while covering their noses and sprinting to their cars I knew this plan was going to satisfy my revenge, but I never imagined this level of chaos. Griffin gets to his car, and because the possum exploded, he definitely notices it now. Also, he had his windows cracked open, and all the juice seeped into the roof, down the windows, and the inside siding of the doors. There was no way he was driving home, so he had to call a tow. Griffin started vomiting because he'd stood too close to his truck for too long matt henry and i were in the music programs and often stayed late so we stuck around for this whole fiasco nobody noticing us and we get to see everything griffin manages to get on the phone calling his parents crying that his truck had been destroyed and we could hear his dad yelling from the speaker eventually the tow arrives the guy gagging but he gets the truck loaded up and out of the parking lot at this point griffin had been yelling crying and vomiting about his truck long enough that the people left at school knew what had happened and by the following morning everyone knew when griffin came into school the next day his parents and a guy in a suit were with him a lot of people knew matt and i had issues with griffin matt was called to the principal's office but never me i never know the exact reason for this but it's most likely a combination of not having any physical evidence against matt and myself and that no one imagined a woman would be involved in a retaliation scheme so disgusting griffin his parents and guy and sue tried to throw weight around to get some type of punishment for what happened but there wasn't really anything the school could do to appease them without knowing who did it or having evidence that it happened at school there were cameras at school but it was clear that griffin arrived at the school with the super dead possum already on his car everyone totally knew that griffin's car was destroyed by matt and probably me but never henry there's no reason to suspect henry but with no proof no one could actually say anything after that day people stopped calling me names and i was mostly ignored until i moved away if people did have to talk to me they were polite and to the point i was told years later that people were genuinely terrified of matt and i because plenty of trash had been said so everyone thought they were going to be next the super dead possum was very effective Pretty sure Griffin's truck ended up entirely unusable, but I don't know what they did with it. I only know that they spent a lot of time and a decent amount of money trying to get the smell out with no luck. Wouldn't be surprised if every car detailing service within 100 miles was used. Griffin didn't speak to Matt or me for the remainder of my time in that town. He stopped sitting with us, stopped going to events that we were at, and never invited us to church again. I was only around through the middle of summer, but it was long enough to witness a noticeable difference in Griffin's behaviour. The graduation ceremony arrived, and being a year younger, I was in the crowd cheering from my friends this was completely unplanned but i get giddy picturing his face decades later i managed to make eye contact with griffin after he was done walking across the stage and quickly made an explosion motion with my hands and winked You knew exactly what I meant. The only true drop the mic and I'm out I've ever had. And there we go. I think that has to be one of the most original nuclear revenge stories I've ever read. Imagine Griffin's reaction coming out of school and being like, okay, first of all, what is that truly repugnant smell? Second of all, why is it getting stronger as I'm going towards my car? And third of all, oh my God, I'm now vomiting. I would have loved to see it. Now, look, you could argue that maybe it's not nuclear. I mean, we've seen definitely more serious revenge tales than this one. But you have to remember that these guys were in school. There's a limit to what you can do here. And getting a dead animal from the road and completely writing on someone's car with it, that's pretty nuclear to me at that age. Also, you got to think about the amount of money lost during this. I mean, the car alone is very expensive. And I imagine that they also tried to spend a lot of money, as OP said, through all these dealerships trying to fix the issue. But to no avail, it seems. That's a lot of cash. Now, before we get into our next story, I have a very special announcement for you. After an insane amount of demand from you guys i'm delighted to say that i've released some limited edition not today karen merch picture this you're out and about in the streets and a wild karen appears and starts confronting you what do you do well normally you have to talk to a witch like this however get one of these t-shirts or hoodies on and all you have to do is simply point to it laugh and walk away. How easy is that? The link is down in the description if you like what you see. Go ahead, check the stuff out. I think they'd make a great Christmas present or even just a little gift for yourself. As always, it's official stuff from the very best supplier, so the quality is unmatched. And it's one of the best ways to support me and the channel. With that being said, let's carry on. How I got a car dealership to give my friend a newer car. Circa 2020 January, my friend makes a stupid decision and buys a brand new car he can't afford. His insurance is like $400 a month. He makes like $10.25 an hour working as a shift supervisor at McDonald's his car payment is like 795 a month now at 10 25 an hour 30 hours a week that's a weekly income of about 300 a week or about 1230 a month so yeah so my friend came to me for help because i used to sell cars and i know the industry pretty well i go over his paperwork the dealer did rip him off but my friend is trying to find a way to get out of this mess and ripping someone off isn't illegal they did of course overcharge him for warranty they gave him a higher apr they had add-ons etc but none of that is illegal and i know the only way i can get my friend out of this deal is if they did something illegal so i look at his finance application that my friend signed it correctly listed his income which turned a light bulb on in my head no bank is going to approve someone for a 795 dollar car payment if they're only making 1200 dollars a month it does not make mathematical sense to do that so i start searching through his paperwork for the finance app the dealer submitted to the bank oftentimes when you submit a finance application at a dealership the dealership will take the hand filled out application and reproduce it electronically this is pretty normal however on the application the dealer submitted to the bank the dealer said my friend was a gm of the mcdonald's and made seventy thousand dollars my friend had good credit so it doesn't appear like the bank asked for proof of income so i go to the dealership with my friend and tell the sales manager he's going to want to put me in touch with the gm because we're going to be unwinding my friend's deal and giving his trade in back The sales manager thought i was joking the gm also thought i was joking then i demonstrated how his dealership finance department committed bank fraud i showed the gm the finance app my friend filled out i then showed the gm the finance app his dealership submitted to the bank and pointed out the income difference my friend really made fourteen thousand a year the dealership claimed my friend made 70 a year. That's bank fraud That's a felony. Let's keep this simple. Shall we the gm sees his dealership is in a load of trouble The proof i'm presented to him is rock solid. He knows it. I know it We're all on the same page. He goes, okay So what can I do to make this right? I go unwind the deal Give me my friend his trading back unwinding the deal is basically the gm agreeing to cancel it and basically erasing the deal and pretending it never happened the gm tries to avoid that but i remain firm and remind him that we can easily take this documentation and turn his life into a living hell and he knows i'm right my friend also needs a car to get to work the next day the gm says he'll check into it and he comes back and tells me unfortunately they sold his trade-in already I said that's fine unwind the deal and let's put my friend into something as good or slightly better than what he traded in for the gm goes so he'll buy a car similar to his trade in i said no you'll give him a car similar to his trade in the gm goes it doesn't work that way I go it does when you commit bank fraud. He's upset with me and I remind him I'm actually being really nice and the situation can totally get really ugly like felony level charges ugly like losing your franchise ugly So yeah, this is gonna hurt but it's gonna hurt less my way The gm goes all right and he looks in his inventory and he tells me they have a 2007 focus with 10k more miles I tell him no the car you give my friend needs to be the same or better than what he traded in The gm counters i'm giving him a free car and I go no you took his trade in you sold it You made money on that sale You also committed a felony in the process of selling him his new car. You're now correcting that mistake This is not a free car for my friend. This is you correcting your mistake the gm insists That's what he's willing to do I tell him if he can't do better than that We will go to a consumer protection attorney and have a conversation with them Now my friend didn't want to go down this route, but that was our plan b We get to go up and the GM says, wait, give me one second. I have an 08 Civic. It has 5k more miles, but it's a Civic and not a Focus. I'll unwind the deal of the new car and put your friend in the Civic at no extra cost. We agree. The GM has the paper drawn up. The old loan on the new car is cancelled. They take in the new car again, but because it's already titled, they'll have to sell it as used. That sucks with them. And they gave my friend a better car than the one he traded in. Now, for people asking why we didn't get a lawyer involved from the start, we could have done that, but courts take a long time, and this was a faster way to fix the situation. Uh, quite a lot to unpack here in this one. First of all, I have to say, off the rip, you need to like educate your friend somehow on financing. Like get him into some sort of finance class. Because yes, you helped him out in the end. But I mean that decision on its own in principle was absolutely ridiculous. Paying that much for a car when you're only earning pretty much the same as that when you add the insurance together. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh please make sure he gets a little bit more responsible with his money first off. Secondly, I really like your rationale for not going through the legal process because I completely agree that might well have been way more effort, time, money, who knows, than it actually, you know, needed to be. In the end you got a good deal. Like yeah, you probably would have made more money had you sued and gone the legal route but who really wants that in the day like ultimately your mate has to go to work the next day and he has to be able to drive logistically and even emotionally it just made a lot more sense to do what you did so good thinking there however what i will say is that despite you doing all of this i think i would still at least report it you don't have to sue but report it to the authorities because as you say this was illegal This was a crime and let's be honest It's almost definitely not the first time this has happened and if you don't report it It's likely to happen again So not just for your friend's sake and your sake but for any other customer in the future and in the past sake I think you should still report this haribo revenge goes way further than intended I was a witness to this a long time ago and the results were learned off by word of mouth once upon a time there was a kid let's call him marco marco was your everyday kid a little skinny I remember him being slightly geeky if you left your pens unattended He'd disassemble them before you turned back around in your seat at times. He was nice polite and fairly helpful This was middle school one day though. He does it to a bully. Let's call him polo polo is huge But with fat he looks like if you drilled three holes into him a giant could use him for bowling he's not nice. He's not handsome. He's got a posse of equally disgusting friends who all gang up together to bully others. I suspect that if they hadn't ganged up with each other, they would have been bullied. Perhaps they have been in the past and got a taste of power over others when they ganged up. I don't know. I kept to myself one day i see marco with a swollen eye and wet hair he's limping a bit too and his backpack is ripped i asked him what the hell happened it turns out polo threw him into a bathroom stool by his backpack which ripped the toilet got him in the knee and polo shoved his face into the water bashing his eye into the seat. i asked why polo had done this to him and he says i took his pen apart it was just a bit crystal or some cheap pen like that things escalate over the next few weeks eventually marco has to take time off when polo strips him naked in the bathroom and except for his boxers and makes him shove them into the toilet the school being full of your typical buttholes tries to expel marco for damage to school property and does nothing to polo this is thought by video evidence of the gang leaving the bathroom laughing and rifling through marco's backpack then tossing it in the trash when marco comes back he's different he's not happy he's quiet subdued he doesn't talk to anyone and bruises magically appear on him between classes he withdraws into himself and begins to look positively skeletal of course no one at the school does anything except this one nice jock he comes across polo stealing marco's backpack and folds polo into a trash can Of course, he's suspended, but does it again when he comes back. The teachers give up on suspending the jock after his parents threaten to sue. The fact that someone bothered to stand up for him, though, seems to have given life back to Marco. He starts opening back up and putting weight back on, which is very good. One day, though, he's wearing a scarf. A very special, beautifully knitted scarf. His grandfather had knit it for him. Yes, grandfather, before he died. Polo steals it and comes back the next day with a bag of ashes, handing it to Marco. He laughs hysterically. Marco comes back the next day with a backpack full of sugar-free Haribo gummy bears. Polo, being the glutton that he is, steals every single bag of bears and eats them by the fistful throughout the day. Marco cries, but I remember something in his sobs that didn't quite reach his eyes. Near the end of the school day, Polo lurches out of the classroom and bolts for the bathroom. He doesn't come back the next day or the next. Someone says they saw blood in the bathroom. Polo comes back a few days later with an eye patch and mottled fading bruises all across his face. I believe it's called petachii. He is permanently blind in his left eye and the bruising makes him look like a ripening fruit for as long as it lasts. He's in and out of school for doctor's appointments for a while. He didn't mess with Marco again and instead became very introverted and quiet. The reports of blood in the toilet of the bathroom he went to were never confirmed, but it's quite likely. Wow, a very nuclear start to this episode. This bully, let's be honest, deservedly going blind in one eye. Nobody likes a bully. So is this fair? I don't know maybe it is now Opie explains later in the comments that polo was actually extremely intolerant of sugar substitutes so that is the reason why he had this reaction ending up with burst blood vessels in that eye leading him to go blind unbelievable you know what fair play to marco i can't think of anything worse than getting bullied by someone like polo and also fair play to the jock for stepping in taking the suspension on the chin but doing it for the right cause both of you absolute legends cheating ex flaunts side chick loses his job and she gets graduation dress burned into oblivion this happened almost 10 years ago so even if dots get connected i know i'm safe as per our laws this didn't actually happen to me but i executed the revenge my last year of middle school i introduced my best friend whom i'm gonna call lily to one of my arts classmates who i'm gonna call trashy they dated for around seven years all through high school and uni until she found right after graduation that trashy had been cheating on her with his classmate from uni catty cats lily and trashy took language lessons at a small school next to a big shopping mall and after their breakup i went with her there so she could cancel her classes i've been giving her grand speeches about how life would take care of teaching the guy a lesson all this rubbish after being done with cancellation fees papers and all we went into the mall for a feel better dessert and guess who was there at the food courts trashy who spotted me and lily right away and katty cat who looked as white as a ghost trashy literally dragged katty cat towards us we were both frozen because can you believe it and forced katty cat who clearly wanted to be anywhere but there to greet lily and ask lily are you not gonna talk to me all the while with a disgusting grin i pulled lily from there without a word we left them all walked to the bus stop all in silence after i digested what had just happened i told lily you know what i said about life forget it it's gonna take too long i know what i did afterwards was illegal and only later would i realize how catastrophic it could have been lily still had all of trashy's passwords back account, email, cell phone, etc, and he had hers. As soon as we got home, she'd been staying with me since the breakup. I made her change all her passwords and asked her for his emails. That's all I wanted. In our country, WhatsApp is the most used social media, and we often set it to backup daily into our Google Drive or Gmail. Trashy had his backup on Gmail. I skimmed through two years worth of conversation with Catty Cat, complete with pictures and audio files, and screenshot or cropped out the most interesting parts, such as them talking about sex in the restrooms and emergency exit at trashy's work during his shift bragging about how they blinded their sos to have their escapades it turns out Catty cat was married now i was going to send the clippings of doom to Trashy's family he was their golden boy but i got a better idea after learning how bad they'd fricked up so i tracked down trashy's boss on linkedin got his work email found Catty cat's husband on facebook and using a throwaway account sent them the bomb i heard through the grapevine that trashy got fired but cried literally for a second chance and was on probation at work one more f up and bye bye not the outcome that i wanted but meh Fast forward a few months, I was talking to my cousin and she was telling me about how her fiancé's colleague was traveling all over the world. And he recently posted some pictures at a bar made of ice and she wanted to travel there too. She showed me the picture the guy I'd posted. Lo and behold, traveling colleague was Catty Cat's ex-husband, Rick. I asked her how she knew Rick and she told me he was her fiancé's friend and work colleague. I didn't tell her about my shenanigans only said that rick's ex-wife and my best friend's ex had cheated on her and Inconspicuously, I hope asked my cousin how rick was how it must have been a sad breakup for him And did she spill the tea? So katty cat had introduced rick to trashy during her graduation ceremony a few weeks before I sent the bomb saying look This is the friend who helped me with my graduation project." Rick had allowed trashy and katty cat to use his computer at home for said project It turns out they were screwing on his bed while he was working his butt off to pay for her sorry one and she made him shake hands with her lover rick was a programmer katty cat was from the countryside and she'd been living in the city with him for a few years rick had an awesome salary he paid for everything so katty cat could focus on uni but one day he received some evidence that his wife was cheating on him with the guy he'd shaken hands the same guy he allowed to use his computer in his house to help his wife do her graduation project rick got her graduation dress set it on fire shoved her into the car drove all the way to her family's home in the countryside and reportedly dragged her into her parents house by the hair made her kneel and tell her mother and father what she'd been doing Her father was so distressed He had a minor stroke and her mother kicked her out and cut her off from the family as far as I know last I checked was five years ago They were still no contact rick threw her out of the house She moved in with trash family and rick now with his salary trashy ex free was living la vida loca Going to ice bars in neighboring countries and I was desperate Had Rick been 1% madder, he could have burned her along with the dress. Her father could have died after my interference. I didn't calculate how Rick could react at all. I called Lily, told her all about it, lost my sleep over it for weeks, and even considered confessing to what I did. Lily asked me to let it go what was done was done to take this as a lesson and let life run its course the next time As i'd initially said it would i'm not proud of it. And even though I don't lose sleep over it anymore I still feel somewhat guilty confessing here is kind of cathartic though. Okay, it's one thing cheating on your partner I mean, that's pretty bad. I think we can all agree But then to do that and then introduce your partner to the person that you're cheating on them with and have them shake hands is actually crazy like the level of psycho that you must have to be to do that is actually nuts and the fact they both did it as well they genuinely said no i want you to meet the person that i'm cheating on you with it's unbelievable it really is that might be the most shocking thing in this entire story to me i mean i don't even care that someone almost died had a stroke the fact that someone would do that wow and also op it's not your fault that it could have gone a lot worse like them cheating was the reason why this happened them cheating is the reason why the dad had a mini stroke it's not you telling them it's not you making rick know that it happened like yeah you did the right thing by letting everyone know and telling rick what was going on the fact that her dad had that reaction is because of his daughter's actions it's nothing to do with you and also i know you say at the end or at least lily has said next time just let nature take its course i don't know i feel like cheaters need to be called out right what might have happened if you hadn't called them out yes The dad only died But again, we've said that's not your fault So Rick Captain, oh, didn't he? I I think you did the right thing there, personally Let me know what you think down below in the comments Now, before we get into our next story I have a very special announcement for you After an insane amount of demand from you guys I'm delighted to say that I've released some limited edition Not Today Karen merch Picture this, you're out and about in the streets And a wild Karen appears and starts confronting you What do you do? Well, normally, you have to talk to a witch like this However, get one of these t-shirts or hoodies on And all you have to do is simply point to it Laugh and walk away how easy is that the link is down in the description if you like what you see go ahead check the stuff out i think they'd make a great christmas present or even just a little gift for yourself as always it's official stuff from the very best supplier so the quality is unmatched and it's one of the best ways to support me and the channel with that being said let's carry on never safe to badger As an apprentice, during the early days of my career, I worked for a no-nonsense Italian master marble installers. During one of the first big projects I was on, they were installing eight by 20 centimeter Italian bone stone on the side of a brand perfect. All the huge pallets were stacked in one area. And after finally clearing customs from Italy, sitting on the dock for 110 days, Three of us were charged with keeping the installers in materials. Holy heck! They were installing like madmen, and we were busting balls. Whenever a guy had to wait more than a minute or two, he would start yelling in Italian: "Andiamo, andiamo, stupido cretino! Let's go, let's go, stupid moron!" Nice. Side note: my father was off the boat from Campobasso, Italy, so I knew what was up. At the same time, the so-called bank safe guys were also on site. Seemed so there was a stupid visor, an older gentleman, and his nitwits, bluto-like son. He reminded me of non-general zod's slow lackey after three weeks of listening to the dad berate and badger his son we'd all just about had enough of his trash this was evident during one lunchtime when a tree frog jumped out of one marble crate the idiot dad grabs a gallon of muriatic acid sitting there pours some into a plastic cup and proceeds to drop the frog into it bellowing an evil laugh oh look an italiano frog Here's what we do to them here in america as luck would have it The frog merely jumps the f out of that cup and right onto the guy. Holy heck He starts screaming as the acid is all over him He runs out to the hose and starts drenching himself While he's out there all the other guys agree that he's just a pos and the sun was the prayers of that club Okay, another week goes by and all the trades were behind schedule Our marble crew was on our final leg and the very last pallet was behind this god-awful huge deposit safe Still packed on a pallet. I couldn't even get around to it to so offload it by hand. I politely asked the kid if he could move it and he snaps. Better ask my dad. Ugh. So I go find him. Again, politely inquire. And he snaps. I'll move it when I'm good and ready. You think you're more important than us? Can't you see we're busy? Who the frick do you think you people are? You people? Hmm marble setters italians guys in harley shirts. I don't know So I go and tell the installers who are already getting agitated and oh boy The one guy starts yelling at the son in italian and the father is yelling back at the guy I may not understand you, but I know you're calling him bad names. How about this f you? huh understand that huh f you and your trashy marble so then the stupid visor's number is on the wall and we call and he calls and finally the son begrudgingly and ever so slowly moves the freaking pallet the entire rest of that day the two of them were hollering disparaging remarks about us we wanted to strangle the both of them as you can imagine at the very end of the job on a friday afternoon us apprentices were breaking down the wet saw and cleaning up all our debris while tossing garbage i overhear the dad hollering at the sun okay i'm leaving so don't screw this up when the cement truck gets here don't let him pour until you check the electric meter in front of the driver be sure he sees the reading okay got it he must see the reading okay i'm asking one thing don't screw this up and off he goes no idea i heard this entire exchange now what he's talking about is this when they install these huge stainless steel deposit safes into the wall of a new bank they wrap the entire thing in about 200 feet of cable wire so if anyone tries to chip their way in it will trigger the alarm thing resembles a rubber band ball when it's finished before they encase the entire kit and caboodle with high strength number one concrete the safe guys clip test wise to each end to be sure there is contact for the alarm guys as there will be zero way to repair it after the pour everyone is gone but the son and myself the truck pulls up the kid all boss-like approaches the driver and over the roar of the truck he hollers you have to witness the meter read the guy's unimpressed yeah whatever the dimwit attaches the leads and it shows positive conductivity and he shows the driver when he looks at it I really don't think he knew what he was even looking at and snorts Okay, I guess the kids all proud and screams Let it go and while the guy is positioning the shoe over the framed in deposit safe I go around back and take my trusty Gerber plier multi-tool and just reach in there and start cutting wires. I cut a half dozen and floofed up the wires to cover it. Less than three minutes later, the entire thing was covered and encased in the concrete. The next day we show up and there's the father, the son, the stupid visor, the concrete guy, the contractor, the alarm guy and four suits standing around this meter taking turns assigning blame the best part we heard was the father screaming about getting paid and the contractor refusing until that circuit showed positive positive. and we all know that's not going to happen now normally i'm not a vindictive kind of guy but this incident was different i thought i was representing all the guys on site that were badgered by these idiots not sure of the final ending but that bank opened on time and the exterior marble looks magnificent I smile each and every time I drive by it and there we go I'm, not entirely sure to be honest who exactly had to pay for all of this I assume it was the father and son though as they were contracted to do the work and they didn't fulfill their contract So I assume they never got paid Maybe the bank had to pay eventually anyway, but as long as the father and son didn't get any money then i'm i'm satisfied That's for sure or maybe they never actually realized and they just were like, oh screw it. Let's do it So that means that if you ever come across this ATM, I don't know where it would be, but hey, maybe you can work it out somehow. You can just get into it and take all the money without causing the alarm to go off. Yeah, it seems unlikely, but you never know. Cheat on me with my best friend. I'll wreck your career and publicly humiliate both of you. Shathid and Sarah have been like family to my wife and I for several years Practically ever since we moved in across the street from them. The four of us were extremely tight Our kids are the same age as theirs and are all good friends. We were one big family unit We did dinner together a few times a week. We went on vacations together I truly saw Shathid as a brother and my wife and Sarah were very close too Five months ago, I was completely blindsided by the discovery of an affair between my wife and Shathid. My wife had left her email open on our computer and I saw an email from her to her longtime therapist, saying that Shathid would be joining her at an upcoming session again. Uh, what the frick? My mind started racing. Why in the world would Shathid be going to her therapy sessions without my knowledge? I did a search and found some other emails to and from the therapist proving that Shathid had been going to sessions together with her for about six weeks. I checked our mobile phone account and discovered that since late summer, they've been exchanging hundreds of texts every day, peaking at nearly 500 per day by the holidays. Speaking of the holidays, my wife and I hosted both Of our families, parents, siblings, etc., for both Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, and Shathid and Sarah joined us either for dinner or after dinner on both holidays. Text records show that the entire time that they were at our house celebrating with our families, my wife and Shathid were texting each other across the room. They were doing that pretty much every time the four of us hung out, for months. And, you know, all day, every day, just in general. But what bothers me the most is that they were doing it with Sarah and I right there. I confronted my wife with the evidence and she admitted that, yes, she and Shathid had fallen in love. It just happened. I don't know how but I love him and I just don't feel anything for you anymore. I'm sorry They'd gone on a school district trip together Something had happened in her hotel room and things had moved quickly from there She explained as I lay face down on the couch Unable to look at her that they'd already made plans to move out and divorce me and sarah And while they didn't plan to move in together immediately because of the kids they'd probably do so eventually. The meetings with the therapists were supposedly mostly for the purpose of finding a way to break this to me and Sarah as gently as possible because they were so very concerned for our well-being. Sarah and I are fairly certain that they weren't planning on telling us about the affair at all and were simply going to discover their feelings for one another several months down the line after they come up with some other reason to divorce the two of us. Yeah, I have to agree here. That seems way more likely. I can't believe what she's saying. Oh, we were so concerned for your guys' health and well-being that we weren't going to tell you about the brutal affair we were having in front of your eyes my wife moved out two months ago i was and still am utterly destroyed i cry every day i cried right in the first few paragraphs of this story just now i worry non-stop about the impact on our kids but i'm also not exactly a shrinking violet when i feel that i've been wronged And in this case, I was, objectively, very, very wronged. So a couple of years ago, Shathid ran for a board of education seat as a pretty extreme underdog. I helped him with his campaign materials and debate prep, and my wife, a well-known school district employee, this becomes important later, got the word out as best she could. Much to our surprise, he actually won in a squeaker by just a few dozen votes. Being on the board became the center of Shathid's world. He joined every committee that he could. This turned into the foundation of his affair with my wife, as they were constantly going to school events and meetings together on evenings and weekends. Once I discovered the affair, my thoughts turned pretty quickly to revenge. And it occurred to me that an extramarital affair between a member of the board of education and an employee of the school district was at least bad politics, and it possibly violated district policy. Making things far worse for them was that my wife was in the running for an open administrative position, and everyone knew that she was more or less guarantee the job and the major pay raise that came with it. she just finished her master's degree in school administration at the urging of her principal and the superintendent so that she could be promoted to this specific position i had plenty of evidence of the affair texts from both of them admitting to it text records showing that they were texting hundreds of times a day emails to and from the therapist etc I considered simply emailing all of the evidence to the board and the superintendent, but felt like I, as the grieving, betrayed spouse, might not be seen as a credible source. So instead, I invented a fictitious, furious friend who was planning on showing up to the next board meeting. And publicly shaming the two of them for their affair i told my wife that i tried to talk this person down but couldn't guarantee that they wouldn't show up and humiliate them publicly as i expected this led Shathie to conclude that the only option was for him to preemptively admit the affair to the board the superintendent subsequently recommended that Shathie resign which he did sarah said that he was utterly humiliated and crushed and barely got out of bed for a few days afterwards once word of the affair and Shathie's resignation started getting around the superintendent, a longtime friend of both my wife and Shathid, Contacted my wife and tearfully informed her that it was no longer politically appropriate for her to be promoted to an administrative position within the district The position that had been lined up for her was later filled by an outside candidate This sent waves of confusion and rumor throughout the district as it was pretty well known that my wife was getting the job The day after she was informed that she wasn't getting the promotion My wife and I despite our crumbling marriage took our son out to breakfast together on his birthday And a parent stopped by our table to congratulate her on her new role She said thanks then excused herself to go cry in the bathroom for a while I let the dust settle for a couple of weeks and then right before my wife moved out Let them in on my little secret There was never a furious friend threatening to expose them in the first place. Just me. Word of all of this had gone around our fairly small town, which Shathid grew up in and my wife has worked in for nearly 20 years. My wife refuses to talk to me about how things are at work now, but I've heard from some people I know in the district that her formerly spotless reputation has taken a major hit. Shathid, formerly a gregarious social presence in our neighborhood and at events and pubs in town, has completely gone underground and barely emerges to mow his lawn. He's moving out soon to a trashy little townhouse which is all he can afford due to all the child support He's going to have to pay his wife My wife and Shathid claim that they plan on trying to make things work together despite all the public humiliation I wish them lots of luck with that I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun to show their faces together in town And there we go that is the conclusion of the post but before we get into some analysis and commentary Opie has actually answered a couple of questions First of all are you and Sarah a thing now? You should totally be a thing that would be awesome no we're friends we've been incredibly important to each other since this all started and have certainly gotten a lot closer but not in the way everyone's thinking this would all be so much harder to deal with if i didn't have her to lean on and she says she feels the same way about me we're going through basically the exact same situation with the same players after all shathid hasn't moved out yet once he does we plan to go back to getting the kids together more often like they're used to it'll never be the same of course she already does come over with the kids from time to time but it's just tough with shathid's constant presence across the street Next question, didn't your revenge hurt both sets of kids? Well, not really. Shathid has a day job. The board of education was his hobby and his passion, but this didn't affect his income at all. And my wife has been assured that if she wants to pursue an administrative position with another district, she'll have glowing letters of recommendation from her superintendent and principal. It'll mean giving up a lot of work relationships in the process, but given the hit her reputation has taken, I'm guessing she makes that jump sooner rather than later. In the meantime, not moving to an administrative job means that she still has summers off with the kids third question why do you call her your wife instead of your former wife well we're working our way through divorce mediation but it isn't final yet we'll be soon and then the final question why didn't you notice all of the texting your wife was doing well i did it was really starting to annoy me it was excessive She has a big social circle and does tend to text a lot anyway, but it was really getting over the top. At one point in November, I asked her to agree to a no phones at the dinner table rule, which she agreed to reluctantly, but would then pout through dinner and eventually she just started using her phone during dinner again. All that said, I was blind. Not only was the texting getting weird, but her relationship with Shathid was starting to make me uncomfortable sarah noticed it too and agreed we actually confronted them a couple of times about it directly and they both swore up and down that it was just school stuff they were talking about nothing else was going on and for whatever reason we believed them probably because the mind tends to refuse to see things that it doesn't want to see Now, incredibly, the post I've just read there was posted over four years ago on Reddit, on r slash ProRevenge. However, just a few days ago, OP posted an update. That's right, an update on a ProRevenge story that's over four years old. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before, but stay tuned because that is coming up. Now, as for this initial story on its own, my thoughts are this. First of all, how exceptionally sad. These two are just disgusting. I mean, look, cheating is one thing, right? And we can all agree that's a pretty bad thing to do. But cheating in front of your partner's... Together in the same room, like messaging and texting when your wife and your husband, respectively, are there is actually nuts. How can you how can you with any sort of conscience do that? I have no idea. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I struggle to understand how people cheat in the first place unless they're in a really like dark place mentally, to be honest with you, or they just feel like they have no other option. I mean, genuinely I've never done it, and I don't see myself ever doing it. Maybe that's a naive thing to say. I don't know. But this is one step further. Doing it knowing that your partner is in the same room as you. It's unbelievable. And then as I mentioned during that story, because I just simply had to mention it at that point, the fact that you've said, oh no, we were trying to work out how to tell you, but we knew it would really hurt you, so we just didn't tell you. Like, is that not the most dumb logic you've ever heard in your life? For me, it's gotta be. As for your revenge OP, I've got to say, genius. Making them self-destruct themselves is great, because it just means that you didn't have to do anything. Like, they did it for you. Lovely stuff. Anyway, with that all being said, Let's get on to this update four years later, just literally a few days ago at the time of recording. Now, before we get into our next story, I have a very special announcement for you. After an insane amount of demand from you guys, I'm delighted to say that I've released some limited edition Not Today Karen merch. Picture this, you're out and about in the streets and a wild Karen appears and starts confronting you. What do you do? Well, normally you have to talk to a witch like this. However, get one of these t-shirts or hoodies on and all you have to do is simply point to it, laugh, And walk away how easy is that the link is down in the description if you like what you see go ahead check the stuff out i think they'd make a great christmas present or even just a little gift for yourself as always it's official stuff from the very best supplier so the quality is unmatched and it's one of the best ways to support me and the channel with that being said let's carry on so where to start it's been a bizarre few years especially with covid thrown in the mix which i somehow still have never caught despite my kids getting it twice each thankfully just mild cases well at the time that i posted the original story i was obviously the Iraq things actually got significantly darker for a while after that. My ex decided to start bringing Shafid around our kids just a few months after she moved out, which was really hard for me to deal with. I'd never really dealt with serious depression before, but things got bad enough that my doctor more or less forced me to start on an antidepressant because I admitted to him that I was thinking about suicide pretty frequently. I think this is where I should mention trigger warning for the rest of this paragraph. I actually had a very specific plan and everything I needed to do it. The one thing that gave me any kind of relief was telling myself that if life got any more unbearable i had a way out so yeah it got bad but i'm still here and thankfully i don't think about that option anymore i reluctantly decided to dip my toe into the online dating world and after a number of short-term things that didn't pan out i actually connected with someone we'll have been together for two years next month she is absolutely amazing we don't live together and for the time being we're both good with seeing each other a few times a week would i love to see her more yep am i ready to live with someone again and go all brady bunch with our respective kids i'm not sure For the time being, we have a lot of fun together, and that's more than good enough for me. As far as things stand with my ex and Shahid, they're still together. But there seems to be trouble in paradise, because my kids report that they almost never see him anymore. My kids don't like him at all, and they just avoid him when he's around, according to my older one. When all of this started, she'd seem confident that they'd be living together pretty soon, but they still don't. And as far as i know there are no plans in the works for it they did buy a boat together which i find hilarious for some reason it just seems like the classic affair couple thing to do sarah took a long time to accept that her marriage was truly over but once she did she really did an admirable job of moving on she engrossed herself in home improvement projects she remains the same incredible mum that she's always been and she's been in a fwb type relationship which is all she wants right now with a nice funny guy for almost two years we hang out here and there especially when my pool is open in the summer We aren't nearly as dependent on each other as we were in the beginning but we're still close friends and no still nothing more than that which i'm glad about because the one thing this situation definitely never needed was more drama My ex left the school district she was working for and took a job in a neighbouring district. I've no idea what Shatid is up to, nor do I care. I hardly ever see him except at the occasional school event. For a while there, I was worried that he'd look at me the wrong way and I'd wind up in jail for knocking him out in an elementary school cafeteria or something. But I just don't care enough about him anymore for that to be a concern. So all in all, life is pretty okay right now. I do miss being a family. I still have nightmares about all of this stuff and deal with intrusive thoughts at times. I fall asleep to audiobooks now to keep those thoughts at bay. Otherwise, I still struggle to sleep sometimes. But my girlfriend is amazing. I have an incredibly supportive family. I just officiated my sister's wedding a couple of months ago. And I have a big dog who needs lots of walks. And that's a huge help for me on so many levels. And if you're lucky enough to be watching on YouTube, here is your dog tax. Look at that cute little dog. I mean, to be fair, it's actually quite a sizable dog very cute nonetheless and if you're not on youtube and you want to come and see the dog Link is down in the description. So there we go. I tell you what, I really enjoy that update because it's very rare that we get an update like that, especially so long after the actual event takes place. And I love the honesty of it as well, because you see some of these stories and then people are like, oh yeah, now I feel great again. But let's be honest, like going through that sort of an event that would change your life so much for the worst at first anyway, is going to have such a lasting impact. I love the honesty of OP saying it actually got worse before it got better and they went to a really, really dark place. And even now, four years later, they still to listen to audiobooks to help them sleep at night because you know it makes sense you wouldn't expect someone to be like oh yeah now i'm amazing best i've ever felt ideally they'd be in that spot but it just seems a bit unlikely to me that someone would be like oh i'm so much better now just the few months years whatever afterwards yeah love the honesty i mean i'm not saying eventually that op won't get to that spot and i really hope he does and sarah does as well and it seems like you've moved on to a significant level but yeah you'd still be deeply hurt by this i'm sure for a good amount of time afterwards and it's nice to see someone actually admit that and there we go guys that is going to do it for three hours of the very best nuclear revenge stories of 2023 so far hope you enjoyed it if you did and you want more revenge content right away then there's someone's screen and also linked in the top of the description down below if you're new to the channel, hit the subscribe button or follow me. I post every single day on pretty much every single platform apart from OnlyFans, but that's coming soon. So uh, leave a like for that and I'll see you all later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus,